Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. You're welcome. You're welcome. I, I, you know what? I'm going to guess you're at home. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody tweeted yesterday, um, a comedy writer that I, I don't know, but I'm a fan of, tweeted, um, you know, today I think I'm just going to stay in and take it easy. <laughs> just, just stay. I think today I'm just going to stay home. I just think yeah. that's the right, the right call. Um, you know, yesterday, well, actually today, today is, is, uh, Monday and, and by the way, it took me like three different glances to figure out what day it was. Like I had to look on my computer and it didn't have, and then I looked on my phone to, to say that, that that it's Monday because otherwise I'd have no idea whatsoever. Today is Monday and today was the finale of the baseball 100, uh, the, the series that I have written for, um, for the athletic where I counted down the hundred greatest baseball players ever. And I, I wrote the last words of that yesterday and, and, uh, you know, it, it has been, uh, you know, quite the, quite the effort and, and, and it's been a, a blast, but it's also been 200 and almost 90,000 words. So, so it's like, <laughs> It's like writing four books, basically. And um, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to celebrate because, I mean, I, I owe that to myself just to be able to celebrate. And then I was like, hey, there's something going on in the world. I can't actually sell. It's like coming out of a, you know, they, they say like, what would it be like coming out of a coma into this? That sort of felt a little bit like that where I'm like, oh, wow, I can't celebrate. I can't do anything. I can't even leave. Well, also the great irony of this is that there is no better time in the world to embark on something like the baseball 100 than right now, right? Like it, in a, if you, if you could pick a time to begin a 200,000 <laughs> word project, a moment where you basically can't leave your house for an indefinite amount of time would be the perfect time. Right. And here you are in classic Joe Posnanski fashion, <laughs> finishing the project at the moment that it's impossible to leave. Now the number one, so the number one, uh, we can say this, it's out. The number one is Willie Mays. Uh, yes. Which is, it, Willie Mays is always the guy that like, if my jerk son has said to me at any point, like, who's the greatest baseball player of all time? I always say Willie Mays. It's just right. a default feeling. It's like he he played in a modern enough time so that you feel like he wasn't, he wasn't a dead ball situation, which I think is what dings Babe Ruth a little for me. And some of those other guys, the Roger, the, uh, you know, Honus Wagners and, and uh, such, um, he, he was a five-tool player. He, sure. he uh, you know, famous, his most famous moment is a defensive moment, which is a pretty cool thing to say about uh, uh, an all-time great. You know, he had, he, he had 660 home runs. He ran, he threw, he hit, he hit for power, he did everything. But I wonder how close it was in your mind, like how, like, when you were down to the nitty gritty, when you were in the top 10 and you're talking about Babe Ruth and Oscar Charleston, who's hard to measure against these guys because he didn't play against them. And Ted Williams, like how many, how, what were the, to give us the, uh, the inside scoop, give us the behind the scenes debate in your mind about who the best player was. Yeah, I, I will. And, and by the way, we should say this is actually going to be, we believe at this point, we can't, we can't, say for sure but we believe this is going to be a another historic podcast 
uh, yeah. because a little later on in the show, we are going to have, I mean, I would say, and this is, I don't want to knock uh, the, the extraordinary guests that we've had on the show. Um, I do. All right, let's yeah, knock them. You know what? This is easily the most uh, renowned guest we've ever had on this show. Would you not say? Well, uh, I would say it's certainly the most uh, renowned athlete. Sorry, yes. Brandon. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I would say it's a, it's a it's a battle. It depends on what you how you define renowned, but it's like a, a pretty famous person. Yeah, uh, who is a professional athlete, and it's pretty exciting. It is pretty exciting, and and uh, well, we'll 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 get to oh, it. Then, well, the other key thing was, is that this person who will show up later asked us to be on the show. <laughs> that's that's the really shocking thing. It wasn't us. <laughs> this person specifically asked to come on the show so that he could yell at me uh, over right. the over the baseball one hundred, which is right. which is. Quite an honor. Uh, when when we when you find out who it is, you'll you'll your mind will be blown. Uh, and by the way, not to knock the our previous leader uh, on the all time uh, greatest athletes to be on the podcast, Sean Doolittle, who was on last week. So, right. Sean, terrific. I think even Sean is going to have to agree though that this guy tops him. I think. I think. Yeah, so. I think so. Yeah, I think he's going to do that. So, um, yeah. So the you know the rankings for me. I mean, the, you and I have talked about this. I mean. They were they're important because I think they structure the the entire thing and and I want it to you know be something that people are you know talking about and 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 yelling about if if they want and and all of that so so it was important but it was also you know the last ten are all I honestly could make a case for any one of them I mean I really could I could make a case for Stan Musial I can make a case for Ty Cobb I can make a case for Satchel Paige or Walter Johnson I mean if if you want to push it you can you know I could make a case for Mickey Mantle I mean these are these were all incredible players and and you know you could start arguing about their peak or you could start arguing about the era they played I mean you could you could honestly make the the case that Mike Trout is the greatest player of all time. And I think you'd have a, you know, I, I, I don't think he's been doing it quite long enough, but you can make that case. So, so for me, it was really like, you know, it, it's going to come down to the tiniest details and, you know, Babe Ruth is, it, that's the one I'm getting yelled at the most. I mean, I think, I think the, the vast majority of baseball fans, believe Babe Ruth was the greatest player of all time. And, and they might be right. I mean, you could, he, he reinvented the game and, and then there's always that, that uh, Trump card that he always has, which is that he was a terrific pitcher before he was a great hitter. Um, I felt like because of the era when he played, uh, I felt like because the pitching thing honestly has gotten a little overrated in people's minds. I mean, he was a, he was a very, very good pitcher and he, and he, you know, had the world series record for scoreless innings, which is really cool. But I mean, it was two years. He was, he was, he was really good for two years in a, in an era where pitching was, you know, nobody, he had a year where he didn't give up a home run for crying out loud. I mean, it's like baseball was completely different then. And it's not to knock him, but the people who say like, oh, he would have been a Hall of Fame pitcher. I don't know that he would have been a Hall of Fame pitcher. I, I don't I don't think that's clear. I think he was very good. Um, and, you know, that's that's just the way his career started. I mean, Willie Mays's career could have started as a pitcher, too. I mean, he was he had a he had a 
great arm. Oscar Charleston's career could have started as a pitcher. So, so uh, you know, I, 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 the thing that I wanted to do that was so important to me to do was not to argue the rankings in these essays. Like the essays are about the players, and because the only way you argue the rankings, you have to sort of knock the player. And I, I don't want to do that. I like I had so many people attack me uh, for putting Tony Gwynn 95th on the list. And I love Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn is one of my all-time favorite players. He was one of my all-time favorite people. Uh, I love him and I would never knock him. That's just where he falls on the formula that I had. So, so, you know, I think that, that it's, it's really tricky to like get into arguments because I think you could argue it a whole bunch of different ways. But for me, what I wanted was who was the greatest all-around player who, who ever played the game. And, and, you know, you throw Ruth in as a pitcher, fine, but Ruth wasn't a fielder like like Mays. He couldn't run like Mays. He couldn't do a lot of the things that Willie Mays could do. Uh, you know, he was, a, he was a terrific hitter in a time uh, where he sort of caught hold of things before anybody else did. Like, he was the first one to really just start – going and hitting home runs and, and, you know, 10 years later, Jimmy Fox was doing the same things and Hank Greenberg was doing the same things. Um, but Ruth did it first. And so he, he gets and deserves all the credit that comes with that. That's why I had him number two. Uh, but I, again, I could have argued for, for Aaron. I could have argued for Ruth. I really could have argued for bonds. I mean, I, I think bonds is three largely because of, uh, you know, the, 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 the shame that he brought on the game. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's so tough to rate these guys. Who would you, what would you have done? Who would you have put number well, one? Hang on. What was the shame that Bonds brought on the game? I don't follow it closely. I don't follow <laughs> it. <laughs> the, the, the funny thing is that you, like, I'm probably more liberal in my thoughts about the steroid guys than you are. I mean, you're not, yeah. you're not a steroid. You're not a, and crazy these guys should have been thrown out of the game forever and and nobody should go in the hall of fame guy you're not to that extent but you were really bothered by it. i was bummed out by it yeah i mean yeah. we've talked about this before um in one of the uh seven thousand uh, podcasts <laughs> that we've done at this point yeah i i, I do it does bum me out and it, you know it's it's fading even now over time it's fading and yeah. i think in 10 years i'll be like come on what the heck but <laughs> i so i have a couple points to make number one um, you know, when Babe Ruth started his career, they they, they were playing with like a, a rolled up wet sock <laughs> as a baseball. And, right. and he was a pitcher. Yeah, that's great. And I, I will literally give you, I'll give anyone listening to this $10,000 if he ever threw a fastball more than about 85 miles an hour. <laughs> like, there's just no way. Like that, I, I think that uh, more than like PEDs, more than, um, you know, whatever alterations to the game over time you want to try to, you know, factor in when you're comparing these guys. The, the biggest thing to me is that, yeah, Ruth revolutionized the game because the game was played with a rolled up wet sock and, you know, they, they nobody could hit a, the home run. Baker led the league with like eight home runs one right, year. And right. So I just refuse to believe, and we've talked about this before too, Spring training is spring training because in the off season, these guys would go like deliver ice door to door at the second job. And they yeah. would like eat and drink and smoke and get fat. And they would oh, yeah. report to spring training because spring training was designed to get them back into shape. And now these guys are doing, you know, super advanced 
P90X workouts the, the day after the season ends and they do them all year and they're all incredibly chiseled, you know, supermen. So I just refuse to um, award anyone from the dead ball era who, or even anyone who played like, you know, pre call it pre-World War II. It was just such a different game and it was so much less athletic and that doesn't mean those guys weren't incredible and had great hand-eye coordination and were great fielders or whatever, but it's just a completely, I mean, as again, as we've talked about every single pitcher in on every single team throws 95. If you don't throw 95, you can't make the majors at this right. point. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so when they talk about like, well, Walter Johnson could throw a P through a battleship or whatever, <laughs> it's like probably through like 89 or something, and, you know? So, um, so that's one thing. The second thing is, is like, I, what it was interesting in following the essays as a fan was watching, you know, the predictable complaints come in from people who were particular fans of a particular guy. And, and two of the ones that I thought were the funniest or the, or, or the kind of blindest in their fandom were the complaints about Gwyn and the complaints about Ichiro. Right. Um, because, you know, look, Ichiro did two, he did three things unbelievably well, Right. He hit for average, right? Or he just—he was a contact hitter. His arm is absurd, uh, yes. famously. He has Joyce. an incredible arm, and he stole a lot of bases. He was a fast base runner. He didn't really hit for power um, at all. In fact, that year that he broke the hits record for a season, it was whatever two hundred and I'm going to forget the numbers wrong. It was like two hundred and sixty-two hits and like two hundred and sixty-one and a half were singles, <laughs> and, and so. And and Gwyn, by the way, was basically the shorter, pudgier Ichiro. Like he did his his magic was he could slap balls over the uh, over the uh, you know shortstop's head two hundred times a year. That's just what he did, and it didn't matter where you pitched him. You could you could throw the any pitch you wanted at any location at any count, and he could just smack the ball into left center field or pull it through the hole in right or whatever. But like that doesn't, you know, that's, that's, he's, those two guys are maybe the two best pure contact hitters of this era. Right. And, and absolutely Hall of Famers. But like to, to say that like Ichiro deserves to be higher than 100 or that Gwyn deserves to be higher than 95 is to ignore that like you will sacrifice 30 of those singles if they turn into 30 home runs and you become Mike Trout, (laughs) you know, like it's just a different calculation. So I, it was like any list I've, and you, you were doing this thing uh, in the list, which is you were, you know, you were using advanced stats and you were using a lot of, um, you know, actual analytical devices. And then you were also having fun. Like you made Joe DiMaggio 56 and on right. earth is 50 game, 56 game hitting streak and, and stuff like that. And people didn't seem to understand that. <laughs> people, people seemed to think that this was like, that you were doing a like um, Jim Rome or Clay Travis or like something like tr- that you were trolling, that you were like, watch this. I'm going to put this out there and make everyone furious and then get to fight for <laughs> them on Twitter. And so they would try to fight with you on Twitter and you would be like, hey, thanks for reading. Uh, sorry, you disagree. Bye. And then <laughs> kind of didn't know what to do. Um, yeah, but, it, but you know, it was, it was a, it was a funny, um, I personally like, I had very little to quibble with, um, about your list. I don't, I, you had Ted Williams at six and right. I, I think, right. And I was like, yeah, that seems right. But <laughs> he, you know, he like, 
maybe the best hitter ever, right? Yes. Your best pure hitter ever in every facet. Um, but also like couldn't really field and didn't steal bases. And his hitting was so extraordinary and his life story was so extraordinary. And, you know, he was shot down and ejected from his plane. His plane blew up and he walked back in Korea and he walked back to the Red Sox as like a 37-year-old <laughs> you know, on September 1st hadn't played baseball in two years and then hit 400 for the rest of the season. <laughs> like if you can, if you're that guy, if you're a Superman of hitting, then that get that like causes you to gain points that you might lose from being a crummy fielder and not really caring about fielding or anything else. I, I mean, every time, every time I saw a guy pop up, there were only a couple that I even was like, huh, like, uh, like Mike Mussina making it, I thought was yeah. like, Oh, interesting. Like, I, I don't think I would have said that. I might've said, one of the other more famous, you know, um, sort of like borderline just over the edge Hall of Famers maybe sneaks in at 99 or whatever it was. But generally speaking, I thought it was a wonderful list. And, and the, the world of baseball fandom owes you a debt of gratitude for giving us something to do while there's no baseball. <laughs> well, thank you for that. But yeah, I, the, the, there, were, there, were, there were several funny things I thought about the response to the list. One was just sort of the general... Like, like, uh, this is just my list. I mean, it's like they're they're not they're not enshrining this in the Hall of Fame. Like, this is the official list that like everybody. There's like plenty of other lists if you want to go out there and and find them. I mean, just for people to be so angry about where Sandy Koufax is on my list, it's just like look, it's just my list, and my list is basically like war with adjustments. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's, 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 uh, you know, there, there, there are ways that I, that I adjusted it and I adjusted it for era and for trying to give people bonus points for, for postseason and, and other accomplishments and all that. But, you know, and there's like people like, How, are you insane? And like Ishiro is 189th in career war. Like I put him at a hundred because I gave him all sorts of bonus points because of, of, uh, you know, because he was so awesome and so cool and, and the years in Japan that don't count and all that. And, and people, you would have thought I'd like literally had just hung Ishiro in effigy based on, on that. Plus I thought a hundred is a cool number. That's what, I mean, I, I wanted to start off this list with like a really, really cool player and, right. and boy, people are just like, they lost their minds, which is, which is fine. And by the way, super fun. The one thing that did annoy me, um, was when people would come after me for, for saying that this was like, that I was trying to do like some sort of God awful clay Travis thing. Like that I was trying to like do hot takes. I mean, this thing was 290,000 words. This, this, this was, this was the opposite of a hot take. Like, like, <laughs> like, like what, what, it was, it was, <laughs> it was whatever a hot take is. This was not that, you know, it's like, you can disagree with everything. You might have not wanted to read it. You might've found it boring. You might've not liked it, whatever. But this list was not like a hot take would be just me coming out and just coming with a list and just going, hey, you know what? I, I think that, that uh, Alex Rodriguez is the greatest player ever. That's a hot take. Um, so, so that annoyed me. But the, the thing I found funniest was the way people would so angrily discuss players that they didn't ever see, don't know anything about, like right. played like 50 years before they were born or a hundred years before they were born. I mean, it's like, I mean, the anger for people with Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb, like I, you just want to say like, look, I get it. And I, 
love that you love the history of the game like this, but you don't know. I don't know. None of us know. We don't know what Ty Cobb was like as a baseball player. I mean, we, we can see his stats and all that. The guy hit with his hands like seven inches apart. I mean, that's, <laughs> you, you think there's a, I mean, Babe Ruth swung a 52 ounce bat. 52 ounce bat. You tell me what, if it, it, when people say like, well, if you, if you put Babe Ruth in today's game, you'd have to give him all the modern amenities and, you know, the modern training. You know what? I'll give him all that, but he has to swing that 52 ounce bat. Let's see how good he is. You know, I'm, I just, I, I, I can't, and I will never believe that if you brought Babe Ruth to modern times and you gave him all the time he wanted to like, get loose and practice and hit batting practice and whatever. And you put him in a game and whoever Edwin Diaz was pitching and he threw one <laughs> crazy slider. Babe Ruth would start crying and run away and never play baseball again. <laughs> like I just, I'm sorry. I, I know he was great, but like there, since he played like seven different pitches have been invented. <laughs> And then they were invented and then batters adjusted to them. And then pitchers had to invent other pitches because the batters (laughs) were too good at hitting them. I mean, there was like, you know, look, it would, when Clemens was um, at his real peak and like the, you know, the very late nineties, early two thousands in his sort of second wave peak, he was at his peak because he was throwing the split fingered fastball. Right. And it was like an unhittable pitch. Right. No one even throws a split finger fastball anymore. (laughs) Because batters became so good at recognizing it that they couldn't, pitchers couldn't get them to swing. Yeah. And, and there were, I mean, I, someone, you know, MLB uh, Twitter has been tweeting out, you know, all these old games and all these old, you know, um, playoff games and stuff and playoff moments and whatever. And you and I and Brandon were tweeting, were, were texting because they showed game one of, I think it's the 99 ALDS when or ALCS, I can't remember when it's ALCS. When um when the Red Sox and Yankees are playing Yankee Stadium, they went into extra innings. Rod Beck, who had become the <laughs> Red Sox closer, had come into that game, and the first, I think, the first batter of the top of the bottom of the tenth was Bernie Williams, and he homered to center and ended the game, and the Yankees went on to win the series. And Rod Beck's pitch to Bernie Williams was an eighty-four mile an hour fastball <laughs> belt high. And Bernie Williams hit 500 yards. And if you look back at Beck's statistics that year, he was done. He had had 11 shoulder surgeries and he had a, he had an ERA of eight and the Red Sox picked him up at the deadline. And then he went on like a very fluky, crazy run where he threw like 15 innings of, of homerless, uh, almost scoreless baseball for the Red Sox, just enough for the Red Sox fans to convince ourselves that he was going to, that he was actually good. But the point is, is like, that's probably closer to the pitcher that Babe Ruth was facing every day than Edwin Diaz or than any of these guys. And so I just, you can't convince me that, that those guys from that era are any, are, are not even forget about better than, you know, Mike Trout and, and Albert Pujols or whoever, but even in the same league, I just don't think that's true. Now here's my question after that long rant, let's say you wanted to do a hot take baseball 100 and you just wanted to create as much controversy as you possibly could. Like, let's think of like the five things you could have done that would have <laughs> that it would generated the most 
moron, unthinking, yelling and screaming, pounding fists on the table. How dare you? You're dead to me kind of reactions. Like, example, I'll I'll throw out there. You could have made Bonds number one. Right. right? Oh, my God. That would have, people would have gone absolutely, people would have lost their minds. (laughs) They lost their minds with him at number three. They lost their minds. Yeah. And by the way, let's, okay, so let's, let, let me add one more rule to it. It has to be like legitimate. Like, I mean, like you could be, do something really, truly crazy and just say, you know, Mark McGuire was number one or something, but no, it has to be like legit. You could legitimately put Barry Bonds at number one and people would have, well, they just would have, they would have come and and burned my house down is what they would have done. I mean, they just, they just would have literally lost their mind. So that's one. That's good. Uh, okay, here's one. I could have, because he did not make the hundred in my system. You know, the system that I had, I could have left Sandy Koufax out of the top one hundred. Ooh, I, yeah. He he his you. I mean, look, it's because his career was so short, uh, and because his career numbers don't incorporate his postseason. Right, you have to add his postseason separately. Um, he wasn't even close. I mean, by war and by the adjustments that I made to war, he wasn't even close to the top right. 100. Uh, That's good. Oh, if I'd left him out, oh my gosh. Putting him I at think- whatever I put him at 70 or whatever, uh, that sent people off the deep end. Yeah, there are people, who, there, are, there are specific people in baseball history who have the, who have super, super, super ardent defenders and yes. arguers. Like, and, and it's like, it's always anecdotal. It's always, I saw that guy pitch and no one, right. pitch. it's the, um, it's sort of the equivalent of like that argument that gets made on behalf of players to get into the hall of fame, which is he was the most feared hitter right. of his time. Right. Right. They said right. that about Tim Rice. They said it about Gary Sheffield. They'll say it about, you know, a Don Baylor or someone. Yes. Dick Allen. Right. No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Richie Ashburn or whatever. So, um, okay. So that's good. Another thing you could have done, by the way, an obvious one is if you made a rod number one, Yes, which, which like, you know, there is some uh, going purely by numbers. It's not a crazy thing to do. He's incredible defensive shortstop, the, you know, the, the logical sort of next evolution after Ripken, you know, a huge guy, uh, got into the majors at 18, hit a home run in the playoffs when he was like 19, <laughs> Right. You know, had third, whatever, third most homers of all time. Blah, 40, blah, blah, 40 blah. season. 40, 40 season, right. Stole bases. Like he, a, a, a Willie Mays, like five tool player. Like you could have made him, if you had put him at number one, I think the universe would have melted a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, there was something interesting about A-Rod, obviously beyond all of the, by the way, did you see Jose Canseco's tweet? Uh, yes. yesterday i did <laughs> where, where he said happy easter to everyone except for alex rodriguez <laughs> that, i i'm sorry i don't know who does jose canseco's uh like uh social media or whatever but but that that guy's great i mean yeah. it, it's it's very very funny um when going and doing the a-rod piece what really occurred to me was he had like all those great years in with the yankees but you know, you go back, and obviously everybody knows this now, but you go back, it was ludicrous for him to move to third base so Derek Jeter could stay at short, right? I mean, it was, I mean, from a from a purely analytical and 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 scouting standpoint, you would never have I mean, A-Rod was just a way better defensive shortstop the year before than Jeter was at that time. 
And, you know, I mean, he moved a third and Jeter, you know, was the captain and then beloved and all of those. We're not going to get into our Derek Jeter thing now, but, um, but he, he could have stayed at shortstop. And if he had stayed at shortstop, even for another five years, I think he'd have the case. I mean, I don't, I, I wouldn't, don't know if he'd be number one, but he, you'd have to, the argument would be there. Like him moving to third base definitely moved him down on the, on the discussion point. I of think. course. I mean, that it's one of the funniest, um, you know, like little sub dramas of in baseball history is like a rod desperately. So a rod signs a big contract in, in uh, Texas and then, you know, he wins like back-to-back MVPs or whatever. And he, he has, you know, he's the best offensive player in baseball. Yeah, all three years he could have won. He won one, MVP, but he could have won and, it all three years. Yeah. And the team finishes last in this division. <laughs> and so it's like, oh boy, we got to get rid of this guy. Cause he's, he, you know, he's dragging our team down essentially with his, with his with the amount of money we're spending. So they go through the whole thing in Boston and that falls apart. And then it's yes. like, he's a man without a country. And the Yankees say like, Hey, we'll give you Alfonso Soriano and a, and a, a box of uh, Dunkin' Donuts and, uh, and also you have to pay us, you know, 8 million a year or whatever in one of the worst, it's a, it's the one of the worst fleecings in history. And, uh, and so he comes over there and Jeter is in this no lose position, right? Because think about, I, I've thought about this so many times. If Jeter moves, which is the obvious thing to do, he moves to third and, and A-Rap plays short what does everyone in the press do? They go, oh my God, the most selfless, that's right. what a captain does, right? They, they, he, he, you know, that's his position and he had that, that's, he has every right to stay there, but what does he do? He moves over to third base for the sake of the team, um, blah, 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 blah. And instead what he does is he says, no way, I'm not leaving this is my position. And everyone goes, you're goddamn right, that's your position. Don't, you don't have to move, he has to move. You're like, there's literally nothing Jeter can do that's, that's wrong or they'll be blamed for him. I always thought the craziest thing to me was like, if I were Jeter, I would have moved to second. Like it's, and I know that like, it's just pure pride and ego. And like, that's his position. I get it. And he, his dream was to play shortstop for the Yankees. He's playing shortstop for the Yankees. But like you put a rod at short and Jeter at second, that becomes an incredible double play combo. Oh yeah. And, and like, and it's, it's like, it becomes, you know, the greatest, Hall of Fame double play combo ever better than Tinker Evers chance better than you know whoever Whitaker and Trammell better than who like whoever like they like moving to third it doesn't really do anything for you but they had traded Soriano why didn't he move to second it doesn't make any sense I don't know why we're relitigating this now we I was gonna say we know why he didn't but you know it, it is an interesting question because Jeter look he won all those gold gloves at short even though everybody knew he 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 was, you know, not a very good shortstop or a bad shortstop, depending on your view. He probably would have been a sensational second baseman. You know, I mean, like, like the problem he had at shortstop was was range, right? Is right. especially going to his left. Like, that's not the same thing at second. I mean, the range is different. He had the arm to 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 uh, to turn the double play. Um, you know, and he was obviously super smart, and you know the way he played the game. He probably would have been an absolutely sensational second baseman. Well, also, if you have someone with A-Rod's defensive abilities at short, you can cheat into the hole more. Right. And then right. you don't have to go to your left so hard. And by the way, they always had good defensive first base, and they had Teixeira, and they had Tino exactly Martinez. Right. They always had good like left-handed first baseman 
and so you know it is it was the obvious move and you just know he never considered it <laughs> okay but wait we only have three troll moves for you Tro- we have okay troll moves A-Rod first bonds first leaving Koufax out. Who's another player you could have left out that would have caused people to lose their minds? I guess Ichiro. Ichiro, certainly I could have left out and that would have, you know, I don't know that it would have been any worse than putting him at a hundred though. I mean, like, it's like, he's like, that's, that's, uh, you know, that, that one response, the response to that was, was about as loud as it can be. Um, I guess you could have put Clemens first. That would have been something. You know, I, it's funny that I, I could have put Clemens. I Clemens is, if you take away all the steroid talk, you take away everything from that, which you could. Um, he's the greatest pitcher ever. He's he's better than Walter Johnson in my mind. He's better than Satchel Paige in my mind. Um, but I put him third among pitchers, so I could have put him number one among pitchers. Right. Uh, I don't think that would have had the same reaction, but I could have put him number one overall. Of course, people would have would have definitely lost their minds. Um, I could have put Jeter at a hundred. Like that Ooh, would, that would have yeah. drawn people insane. <laughs> now I would have had, I would have had to move it. Like he, he did rank better than 100. He, he did. I don't remember where I put him. I think somewhere in the seventies, he ranked lower on my list. I moved him up on the list um, to get him uh, just figuring postseason and all the other things that he did he, he he got a bunch of bonus points for those so but i could have put him at 100 and that would have yeah that would have sent people off that would head. have been great and, <laughs> and and said and like the point of the actual article would have been like look um you know technically speaking he doesn't really belong on the list, but it, you know he's just such a famous player i just thought you know he needs to be included so i wedged him in there right i just barely barely snuck him in I could have put Burt Blylevin even higher than I did. I actually knocked him a bunch of points um, uh, for, you know, for various reasons. Um, but, but having him in like the sixties or whatever it was, him and Gaylord Perry, like all those guys, like those, those 300 game winner types. I mean, uh, uh, Blylevin didn't win two, eight, 300, but he struck out 3000 and did all that. Um Man, people hate those guys. They just yeah. hate them. Just hate them. So I could have put those guys even higher. They did rank higher in my in my uh, in my formula. Um, you know, people really, really, really didn't like DiMaggio at fifty six. They really didn't like that. Well, that's and classic. I, that is a classic. Like um, it, the the myth is bigger than the guy. Right. Situation. He, he actually scored lower than fifty six, like in the raw formula, because yeah. he because he, he you know he missed four years and of the war for the war, three years for the war, and right. he had and he had a short career anyway, even beyond that. So you know, I moved him up. I I would have moved him up higher, uh, but I thought fifty six. This is awesome. Like I I I thought people might and and I should say people like. A lot of people did get a huge kick out of it. I put um, Robinson, Jackie Robinson, forty-two. I put um, Bob Gibson at forty-five. I put Tom Seaver forty-one. I put Greg Maddox at thirty-one. Like I, I attached a bunch of numbers to a bunch of players. I mean, they're right. probably. And I thought, oh, that's really fun. But people were like, you just, I don't, I don't, you know, like, like, do they think that my ranking would be better? Like, it's like it's all a crapshoot all of it so it's so it's well the funny thing about arguing rankings 
is it implies that there is a correct ranking. Right. That's right. <laughs> like, it implies that there's an objective reality of who is the best baseball player ever. Um, the DiMaggio thing is perfect. They, even more than Koufax, the, it's basically like if Paul Simon writes a song lyric about you in a famous song that's in a famous movie, <laughs> and you insist throughout your entire life yes. that you be introduced last as after everyone else and that you be insist as the greatest living ball player you people start to just believe it he just like <laughs> he just told people for 50 years that he was the greatest living ball player and i and i know we've definitely talked about this before but i always wondered you know they would get you know the all century team or like the hall of fame team or whatever they would get them all together and they would go you know here's willie mays and he would walk out and wave to everybody, and they would go, and now here's the greatest living ball player, Joe DiMaggio. Like, what was going through Willie Mays' mind? Willie Mays was better than Joe DiMaggio at literally every aspect of playing yeah. ball, and yet he had to sit there. And by the way, anytime Joe DiMaggio was introduced that way, there were always a half a dozen guys who were better than he was. <laughs> like, in any, like Ted Williams and... and, and Hank Aaron, and, and yes, many, oh yeah, many, oh yeah. How many MVPs did Williams lose to DiMaggio because the boss, because the press hated him, like seventeen or something? So that it is that's a perfect one because DiMaggio just the myth building around him was so complete and thorough and all American and apple pie and flag waving and blah 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 blah. New York Yankees center fielder blah blah blah. That like if you had if you had like moved him down if he had been in the 90s or something i that that might have been the best possible <laughs> troll move like, number 91 joe dimaggio and number 90 is lou whitaker <laughs> yeah it's it's uh you know by the way uh as i wrote in the piece and, and people uh, should know uh paul simon's hero was not joe dimaggio it was mickey mandel right but Dima- dimaggio fit the lyric better that was literally yeah, the way he had joe dimaggio there's, there. there's a famous story of i think mantle going up to paul simon and saying Hey, what the hell, man? And uh, and Simon's response was syllables, Mick. Syllables, <laughs> just like didn't fit. Where have you gone, Mickey Mantle? It just doesn't fit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. So and and look, I mean, DiMaggio was great, and and I I was one of those people who wants to give him credit for those war years, and and you know he lost he lost those Bob Feller too, same thing. Um, but I, there was there was a video that I watched when I was writing the Ted Williams piece. And it must have been from, I guess it was from the All-Star game in 99, but maybe it was earlier than that. Actually, it probably was way early because I think DiMaggio was already dead by then. Um, of Joe DiMaggio and Ted Williams both in the dugout. And and I guess that whatever this was, like it was an All-Star game or something, they wanted them to come out together, I guess, um, which makes sense. But, but they still had to introduce... DiMaggio first, I mean, last as the greatest living player. So like they, they introduced Ted Williams and you can see that they're, the camera's just focused on those two. And, and they say, and the greatest living player and Ted Williams starts to walk out. Like, like he, like he was like, Oh, okay. Thank you. It's me. And, and, but then he stopped and then he stopped like, Oh yeah, I forgot you, you demand that they do this. Um, Ted Williams was way better than Joe DiMaggio. Yeah, way better, and that's and that's given to Yes, DiMaggio was a way better defender, um, defensive player, and and you know you you give him all the marks for that. But I mean, 
all of the MVPs that DiMaggio took away from Ted Williams, he didn't deserve. Every yeah. one of them, including yeah. 41. Yeah. I mean, as you pointed out, during this 56-game hitting streak, he hit whatever it was, 435, right? Oh, 407. It was 407. Yeah. And, and Williams had 406 for the entire season. <laughs> right. No, and, and had a way better on base and way better slugging percentage. So it's like yeah. really – I mean, look, it's it's – to me, I, I think it's really fun. The the coolest thing, I got so much cool response to this thing from people everywhere. I mean, just, you know, from people in the game, out of the game, uh, people who were telling me about how it reconnected them with their, you know, parents. And I mean, it was just really, really cool, the response. And so, you know, I, I, I hesitate. Uh, I more than hesitate. I don't want to make it sound like that the complaints were, were the dominant feature. They weren't even close. I mean, it was, it was a hundred to one, you know, uh, from people talking about what this thing meant to them and, and, and how much, you know, how cool it was. And, and, and for those people, I'm not going to say what it is, but I'm going to start another series. I'm going to take the rest of this week off. Uh, and then I'm going to start another series, uh, connected series that I think is going to be, uh, incredibly cool and incredibly, um, it's, it's, it's similar, but it's different. And, uh, I'll, I'll say say what it is later, which is gonna be really cool. So I, so I've loved this experience, but there were days, I'm not going to lie. There were days where I'm just, you know, this is even before, you know, coronavirus where I had worked, you know, 14 hours a day before, and I had another 14 hour day coming up and just looking up, researching, writing, researching, writing. And then I would just go on Twitter and I would just see somebody like, Oh, what are you? Johnny Mize, he sucks. And just like, I just wanted to lose my mind. I just, I just was like, well, this is, this is, uh, something that I never, ever should have taken on in the first place. Um, but all in all, it was great. It really was I great. I assume you're doing the 100 worst players of all time? I, I am not. I am not. I am going to do – I'll give people just a little hint uh, what it is. And, and the reason, by the way, I'm, I'm not saying what it is is not uh, because I'm trying to keep it secret or whatever, but because I'm still like – like part of me goes like, dude, just take the next few months off. What is – are you insane? Like just don't do anything. But – um, it's going to be a prequel. It's going to be, it's going to be a baseball 100 prequel. So that's all I'm going to say for now. Uh, but next week we'll talk about it. Uh, you know, and, and, and it'll, uh, it'll be really, really cool. So, um, so here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, uh, uh, cut off here and, uh, we're going to do our interview in, in just a few minutes, um, with this incredibly cool, should we tell them who it is? Yeah, why not? We believe that we will be uh, having uh, our conversation with Joey Votto. Joey, Va- Joey Votto. Joey Votto, who um, got so angry, I think, about the Baseball 100 that he got in touch with you <laughs> and that he wanted to come on and bark about it. So, <laughs> Yeah, Joey, but Joey Votto. Joey Votto has been a prominent... We've talked quite often about his awesomeness on this podcast. Yeah, we have indeed. He's a he's a podcast favorite. He's never been. Was he whatever one of the guys we were tracking for for some insane statistic? It seems no, like- because because his awesomeness is like 
like I guess we could have done like like times on base or something, but I just know that we've spent a lot of time talking about because Joey Votto for us is like the perfect player, right? I mean, like this is look, this is even the knock on on you know Ishiro and and Tony Gwynn and but but even the knock on some of the all time greats, they didn't walk, you know, they just didn't walk and. Tony, I mean, uh, Joey Votto hits, you know, three, whatever he hits, you know, I mean, I, I don't even know what his lifetime average is, but he's, he's been in the three twenties and, and so on. Uh, he walks a hundred times every freaking year, right? Every year, lifetime 307 batting average has hit as high as 337, uh, walks a hundred times every year, hits with power. I mean, what more do you want? Well, I know what more he wants, which is to be on the baseball 100 list. And <laughs> since you didn't put him there, I think he- <laughs> he's gonna it, yell at you. He, well, I hope he yells at me about that because he. Uh, well, don't let's not tell him this, but he was really close. I mean, really. Oh, really? Really close. Really close. Yeah, yeah. No, he. There was. There were about twenty players, fifteen to twenty players that that could have been on it. I mean, there were. There was. There. There was no. There was no difference between them and and like the top ten or fifteen or twenty players on the list. Uh, and he was in that twenty. He was he was very much in the the mix. Um, he's terrific. Joe Votto's you, terrific. You should tell him that he was a one hundred and one and just missed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm doing a prequel, so so there's a good chance that there he might go. be a, he might be a part of the prequel. But um, uh, but yeah, so Joey Votto's going to come on here in a few minutes. So uh, we'll just stop here and then uh, pick this up when Joey arrives. <laughs> All right, Mike. So we've got uh, a little bit of uh, podcast history here. Would you say? Would you say it's podcast history? I mean, in as much as the podcast does anything historic <laughs> ever, yes, I suppose this is history. We've been doing this for twenty five years. I mean, this is this is a moment. So um, on the podcast today, we have well, first I should introduce uh, Trent Rosencrantz, who's the uh, Reds. Writer for The Athletic. Trent, welcome. Thanks. I'm first, really? I guess, like, I'm opening act. Go for it. That's right. Yeah, no, that's... I, I wasn't introducing you second. I mean, that would be, like, ridiculous. So... Okay. Uh, and with Trent... Uh, actually, not with him. Not not in the same place. Uh, but with us, Joey Votto. Joey, welcome. Joe, thanks for having me. Trent, thanks for, thanks for inv- getting us started, man. appreciate it's, it. This is well, so great. It's so great to have you on here. Uh, by the way, is it, do your friends, like, do people that, you know, and we consider ourselves now very close friends, uh, do do they call you Joey or is it Joe or, or, or what do you go with? I'm Joseph and uh, my dad was Joe and everyone calls me Joey. So, but I will say whenever I go out, if I make a reservation or anything along those lines, it's usually Joseph. Joseph. What about you? Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like, I was Joey as a kid, and yeah. uh, but I but I'm not named after anybody. I mean, like nobody in my family has the same name. So so at at some point in high school, I was like, yeah, Joey. I'd given up on becoming a ball player. I had Joey as my ball player name, but, but <laughs> once, once once baseball ended for me, I just figured let's go with Joe. So, uh, but that's uh, but but you're okay with it. You're okay with Joey. Joey is like as your ball player name. You you feel good with that. So, sir, you're saying that uh, when you when you found out that you had to become an adult, 
you chose Joe, but I'm, I still live a child's life is what you're saying. That is 100% exactly what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, good, I, gotta but say, I gotta say, man, you know, like you're, you're like a, a, a very, very good baseball player. You're one of the very best baseball players who has played baseball in the last 15 years. But I think if you were Joseph Votto, I don't know that. Ooh, good point. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. I think if if every time you hit a home run or did something heroic on a baseball field, and the sports center anchors had to say Joseph Votto <laughs> with, with the ninth inning home run, I don't think it. I don't think you get where you are right now. I think Joey Votto it has like a kind of like um, sort of poetic or literary feeling to it as a name, and Joseph Votto sounds like an accountant. Or yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton beat me uh, for the most valuable player in 2017. So he experienced a name change, a more, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's his uh, original name. And, yep. uh, and you know, Mike was what he went by earlier on. And uh, so I, I don't know if I necessarily agree to agree about that, you know, agree but, to that. So the thing, though, he, he was Mike Stanton and then he became Giancarlo Stanton. Like right. he went yeah. he, he went cooler with the name. Mike Stanton is is like your eighth grade math teacher. John or, or a former like Reds that. reliever. <laughs> right, well, yeah. well, I, I think what we're saying is, okay, that's so right. that's one of the closest MVP balloting ever that year. You lost by two points, as you well know, I'm sure. Uh, and <laughs> Joseph Votto loses by like you don't even get a first place vote if no. you're Joseph. I think, I think that's I think that's fair to say. And as, as one of the first place voters, I agree. There you go. Oh, right? Okay. All right. Right. And I'm going to go he, even further. I'm going to say the year you won, which is 2010, you ran away with it. You had 31 out of 32 first place votes. I have pool for second. Uh, Cargo was third. I feel like if you're Joseph Votto. You're coming in. You're Martin Prado was ninth. I think you and Martin Prado switch places. I don't think you're beaten. I don't think Joseph Votto was winning the MVP in 2000. Well, Joseph Votto is a second place finisher type, and all I needed was everyone to vote second place, and I would have won the Most Valuable Player award. So I think I think Joseph would have been just fine for me in that instance. It might right. have. It might right. have. I will say this though: if he stick, if he had stuck with Mike Stanton. I don't care how many home runs he hits. You win the MVP. There's just oh. it's, Joey Votto crushes Mike Stanton every time. No, no, no. I'm not going to get into a name thing. I love his name, and I'm glad he changed it. And it's frankly, I, it was it was such a such a cool experience getting to compete with him. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Char- I think Charlie Blackman finished third that year. It was a great year for was- last place finishing teams. <laughs> <laughs> It was a great year. And yes, Giancarlo Stanton, like all time name. Like, I mean, seriously, like on like yeah. the coolest names, like the coolest names in, in Negro Leagues baseball history is Cristobal Torriente. Like that name is so awesome. Uh, so I don't even know how good he was, but, but we know just because the name was so cool. Giancarlo Stanton is like on that level, yeah. I think as a name, don't you think? You know, I got, I have a funny story. Um, so when he was uh, younger, uh, you know, <clears throat> he was obviously a relatively, I think, big prospect. I don't know if he was like number one, like Chris Bryan or Jay Bruce or Ronald Acuna, but I, I, I think he was like a highly touted prospect. And he, we were playing Miami in Cincinnati and he gets to first base and, and I'm at first and I played well for a few years. I think I already had a most valuable player under my belt. 
you know, I, I, you know, there's something about the hierarchy of our sport where, you know, veterans have this, I guess, intimidation factor just out of experience and just out of achievement. And, and so he comes to first, he gets to first base on a walk and, you know, he's this big guy. And uh, most rookies, when they get to first base, and I say hello, especially as I've gotten older, they have a tendency to kind of like, you know, curb what they're going to say or curb their personality. And I go, man, you're a big dude. <laughs> and he, he, he looks at me and I go, I go, how? And he goes, shake weight, bro. Shake weight. <laughs> He's got two weeks into the major leagues. And right then and there, I knew he was a superstar. Right then and there, I knew he was, you know, going to be a future star in this sport. And uh, boy, has he really exceeded that. He's been fantastic. What a player. What a player. All right. we. I know we're going to talk some baseball 100, but, but Mike, unfortunately, is going to have to go. Uh, to do like real work because this is this is uh, not real work. Uh, so, Mike, I know there has to be some stuff you want to get off your chest with Joey before we go. I think I've gotten it all off my chest with this Joseph Votto. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I'm only making up famous. names is hard, right? <laughs> yeah, making up names famously the hardest thing to do, and I I solve it in uh, writing for TV by just essentially starting to type letters and then and then stopping and whatever I've typed is the is the character's name which has led to some ridiculous names I will say this though going through I'm just looking at the uh, that 2010 MVP vote um, that Joseph won um, and I, I, I want to nominate as one of the great all-time bizarro names for an MLB superstar Vladimir Guerrero like oh. how many people with the last name Guerrero have the Russian first name Vladimir? That is really <laughs> insane. I've never really thought about it until now. But Vladimir Guerrero is a bizarro world name and one of the greatest. Did he was he on the baseball one hundred? I forget, Joe. Did he make uh, it? He did not. He just missed the baseball one hundred. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, after I sign off here, um, Joseph can yell at you a little bit for leaving <laughs> Vlad Guerrero off the baseball one hundred. I I had not thought about the Russian Vladimir Guerrero name. It just it so rolls off the tongue uh, that that I just have never even thought about that way. But I do have to ask you, Mike, so before you go, is that really true? Do you really just start typing letters and that's how you come up with character names? A hundred percent. Like it, it's because the problem in TV writers' rooms when you come up with a character, if it's just a waiter or a, a guy who's in for one scene or whatever. There's this weird thing that can happen, which is you your brain freezes and you forget what people are named. <laughs> like you're like, what are names? Steve? Is that a name? Like you, and it can suck up like an incredible amount of time. So I literally just start typing. I'll go like P L U N D G L I A, and then that will be the person's name. Like it, it's the only way to just get because you can waste hours and hours and hours trying to come up with dumb character names. And so I just I just I refuse to like waste that time. So I just, I just basically put boxing gloves on and hammer at the keyboard until, until there's the number of letters of a human name. And then I stop. So is Nope just you typing the names? Is Leslie Nope come from that? Or is it more minor characters that you do? No, that, that, the, the major characters you have to actually spend some time on. And I said Leslie Nope as a joke because the point of that character was that she was really optimistic and, <laughs> and positive thinking yeah. and stuff. And so I was like, we were just like, we kept pitching dumb things and I was like what if her name were Leslie Nope like K-N-O-P-E 
and it was like that kind of sounds good that kind of rolls off <laughs> so we ended up with that um but yeah the the those you actually have to care about which stinks because yeah, the, i there is literally somewhere in my computer there's a document of potential names for every major character in every show i've ever worked on and they're pages and pages long they're just endless wow. and and you stare at them forever and you eventually settle on one and you immediately hate it it's awful coming up with names is the worst there you uh, go. Yeah. There you go. I All mean, right, so- this is not really the best thing to talk about when Joey Votto is joining the podcast. <laughs> no, it is. It's, it's, it's crucial. It's crucial to talk All right, about. I'm, I'm taking my leave. Joey, nice to meet you. Um, Pleasure. Please, please yell at Joe for as long as you want about Stan Musial. <laughs> I can't wait to listen to it. Okay. Sounds great. Nice meeting you. Nice meeting you. Uh, well, Joey, uh, Joseph, um, you do have some complaints about the baseball 100. I mean, that's sort of how this thing uh, began. Uh, you want to you want to get started? You can you can start any way you like. No, I, you know, after reading through Willie Mays today, I have no complaints. And uh, oh, wow. you know, uh, first of all, <laughs> thanks for having me on. I love talking baseball. I love talking the history of the, the game. Uh, I don't know if there's. I don't. I don't know. I. I feel like this is. A different sport. I'm not going to say there isn't any other sport like baseball because every sport has their own personality. Sure. But baseball to me feels like it's the one sport where the individual stands out so much more than any team. And this is my very favorite part uh, about baseball. The, the, the individual stories uh, the individual achievements, what they meant to the communities, what they meant to their hometowns. And then, you know, just, just, I don't know the, it, most baseball players, uh, especially, um, you know, reading through this hundred, every one of them has a, such an intriguing background. And, um, yeah, I, I went through, I didn't read all 100. I'm aware of all 100. I read through your top 10. I read trouts. Um, and initially my, my thought was, Oh, I'm going to, nail this down i'm gonna come up with a how dare he not put trout in the top 10 you know and then i've got some things to say about bonds and Mays and ruth etc but you disarmed me and i feel really i feel really grateful you're such a fantastic writer i i've been a fan of yours for i've been a fan of yours i mean i i'm in line there's hundreds of thousands of people i'm sure more that are in line being, that want to say what I'm about to say, but she's such a great writer, so easy to read. And I feel like no matter the subject matter, I, I, I it's just really, really enjoyable. So this was no different. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited about talking about this. And, and I view this less as a debate and we may have those moments, but I view this more as an opportunity to uh, laud the greats. And more importantly, what you, you, what you gave to me kind of a separate subject, but similar. You taught me about some players that I'd never known about before. Um, I didn't know that Oscar Charleston was possibly the greatest player of all time. You know, I didn't get to know Satchel Pages, and I'm naming Negro League players simply because I know most of Major League Baseball's history. But I didn't know how how wonderful of a personality Satchel Page was. And frankly, I could go down the list and name other players, white, black, uh, Latin American, Asian, uh, and I could keep going, obviously, but uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I only know so much, and uh, your list was fantastic, so thank you. 
Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, Trent, you, you and I have covered a lot of baseball through the years and, and, you know, this is so cool to hear Joey talk about this. And it's so cool for us to be able to, to, to talk about this baseball history, but would you not agree that, I mean, don't you wish as you've covered baseball players that more baseball players really love the history of the game? Uh, well, I mean, I, that's yeah, go ahead. I think a big part of that though, is like, you think about when you're a kid, there's certain, certain ones of us who gravitated towards reading about baseball and certain ones who gravitated towards playing baseball. And, and, you know, as you had the opportunity to do that playing, it took away from your reading time. And some of us had more not playing time than others. <laughs> um, you know, so like my most valuable, and I think my, when I was a freshman, my most valuable uh, part was that I was really good at take, keeping score, something that has led to my, my future endeavors um, more than, you know, playing first base. <laughs> So, so I did have more time to read. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's something that's interesting is that just because you're good at something doesn't mean you're interested in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we all have our own natural talents. And the ability to hit a baseball doesn't necessarily mean that you are interested in all those who had a preternatural ability to hit a baseball. That's a hundred percent right. It's a hundred percent right. But I mean, that's true in everything. I mean, there are, are sports writers. Like I love the history of sports writing. I think you do too. But but not every sports not every sports writer does. I think you know you could be a a great lawyer and you and, and and to be a great lawyer you have to understand obviously the the history and as far as you know precedents and cases. But you don't have to care about the great lawyers of the past. I mean, it's I understand that, but I just think. There are certain players, Joey, would tell me if you agree with this. There are certain players who like love the game in a whole different way. I mean, they love the history of it. They love the feel of it. And that's not to say one is right or one is wrong. I, I know there are some great players who, you know, for them, it's like, this is what I do, but I don't, I don't love the rest of it. But I just think it's that there are players. And I think it's really cool that do love the game, like in total, you know? Yeah, um, you know LeBron James is a perfect example that he'll he'll tell you all the time he's a, he's a basketball historian, and it all depends on what what the objective is. I, I think some are genuinely intrigued in the nuances and in, in, in the players' experiences, um, what they overcame, how they impacted the game, just from a sheer curiosity standpoint. But some. And I think LeBron's an example, and I don't really want to speak for him, but some of them are curious about the history because they want to fit in into the history. Right. They want to fit right. into the history. Where do I fit in? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, and it could go down the list. So I'll speak from my experience. When I was – so I I was fortunate to have a, a coach in um, in high school, and I, I this, this coach allowed – you know, more or less was hands-off. Uh, I got to use his indoor facility. I got to use his his field. I guess I felt really fortunate at the time to be able to have access to those, especially given how cold and how unavailable ba- baseball is up here relative to hockey. But I, um, I always he always told stories, old stories about Williams and Rogers Hornsby and Ty Cobb and all of these Babe Ruth, of course, all of these great Willie Mays, great old players, and. Um, 
that piqued my interest. And I was mostly dedicated, like Trent said, to swinging a bat, throwing a ball and learning all the skills that once I started playing professional baseball, the one thing that goes hand in hand with being a professional baseball player uh, is some free time. You get a lot of downtime. Truly, if you're truly dedicated to your craft, all you do is two things. You rest and you, you play ball. Yeah. I mean, that's so when I was in the minor leagues, 18, 19, 20 years old, my routine was uh, spend all day playing baseball, go home and read a book about Joe DiMaggio, be inspired. How can I compete with him? Where do I fit in against Joe DiMaggio? You know, pl- spend all day playing baseball, read about Ted Williams, spend all day playing baseball, go home and read about Rogers Hornsby or Ty Cobb or Babe Ruth or Willie Mays or Roberto Clemente. Or, and then beyond that, some of the all-time greats were within my within reaching distance. I got to watch Barry Bonds and Mer- Manny Ramirez. I got to watch T- Todd Helton. I was just at the very, very beginning of uh, baseball on the internet. So I paid for a major league baseball uh, subscription and, and I could, you couldn't get me to miss a Barry Bonds at bat or you couldn't get me to miss a Manny Ramirez at bat. And so I, I got to, I was able to, firsthand experience or firsthand witness uh, baseball history contrasted to Hank Aaron or Frank Robinson or, uh, you know, any, any, you you know, I got to watch Pedro Martinez be compared to, you know, uh, to Roger Clemens be compared to Walter Johnson and so forth. But um, knowing about these all time greats for me was more about, okay, where do I fit in? I think I'm going to be a great player. How, 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 what level do I need to get to? And, and what kind of bar did these all time greats set? And so, you know, it's, it's, um, that was my perspective. And, and then, you know, it's funny beyond that, they can, they can grab you, they can romance you, they can, uh, draw you in with their stories, you know, hearing about, uh, yeah, of course, Ted Williams, I've read too many books about him, but there's so many other there's so many other other athletes that you just you know Roberto Clemente you found out about his history and the impact he made uh, and and all of a sudden all of a sudden you you think you know him and so it's it's a it's a little bit of it's a little bit of at first it was how can I be inspired by them but then all of a sudden is it's how can I be a better man how can I be a better person and then just pure intrigue. Yeah, no, it's really, really cool. All right, so I want to get started, and I want to save Ted Williams sort of for the end because because I think that your connection with him uh, in so many ways is is so cool and different. But I want to I want to get started uh, with both of you. And here's here's so let me tell you something about when I was doing this project. One of the things that that has always been difficult for me to try to to try to do is that you're dealing with active players as well as, as, you know, players of the past. And I mean, obviously there's all sorts of issues in trying to, you know, cross the years and figure out, you know, what's what, but specifics. So let's talk. What do you mean by, hold on. What do you mean by what's what? I'm curious about what you mean. Well, you know, obviously, you know, Babe Ruth played in a very different time when there were no, uh, there were no night games and he played with no African-Americans and there was no real travel and it was all by train and, 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 you know, he used a 52 ounce bat. I mean, it just, it was just a very, very different time. And so, so trying to compare Babe Ruth with Frank Robinson, uh, with Henry Aaron, with Joe DiMaggio, you, you find, you know, there's, there's all sorts of, there are all sorts of challenges that come with that and, and you're never going to solve them. 
you know, as a writer, uh, all you can do is sort of come up with the best answer that you can come up with. But for me, the most specific of these is let's look at Mike Trout. I mm-hmm. think Mike Trout is playing baseball as well, if not better than it has ever been played. Okay. So I think Mike Trout is, but Mike Trout is also in his, you know, eighth year, ninth year, what, whatever it is. And, and, you know, he hasn't hit, you know, the decline phase if he ever does. Um, we're just seeing him at his peak. And so if you saw Ken Griffey Jr., uh, right after the 1999 season, and that's when I was doing this, or if we were doing Albert Pujols uh, right after, you know, in his last year in St. Louis, um, there's a different feel to those guys because, you, you know, at this point you're like, they're, they're, that guy's playing at a level that's that's above everybody else, uh, and you don't know how much longer he'll do it, but, but you know, if, if he continues to play that, he has a chance to be the greatest player ever. And, and then, you know, then each of them, you know, sadly, you know, Griffey got hurt and, and dealt with all the, the, the issues that he had in Cincinnati. Uh, we all know what's, you know, that Albert is, is a different player in, in Anaheim. So, so for you guys, uh, you look at Mike Trout, what would you do with Mike Trout when it comes to ranking him? Trent, we'll start with you. You know, it's funny when I was going through some things and we knew we were talking about this, this is exactly the the, the question I had because you have Mike Trout at 27. Of the 26 players before him, 13 of them are guys who played before integration and whether those were Negro Leaguers or, or Major Leaguers. And it's it's just such a different game. I mean, and that is that is probably the biggest change to me. Um, when you talk about uh, this game and, and when you segmented the population and didn't allow some of the greatest players ever, like Oscar Charlton, Charleston. I mean, do we know what Oscar Charleston versus Babe Ruth, you know, who not. would be better? We, we right? can't. And there's so many what ifs. And that's, I guess, what makes this fun in one way, but it's also kind of frustrating. And then, like, that was my other thing. I had, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. is 48. What is Ken Griffey Jr. post-1999 when they did the 100 greatest players um, at Fenway Park at, at the All-Star Game, um, which 23-year-old me was wide-eyed and actually there. It was <laughs> sure. my first big baseball experience. Um, you know, what do we think of him then? I mean, he was top 10, top 15. We were talking to him like we are Mike Trout right now. I still believe that Mike Trout, you put him at any time, I don't have any question. He is, he is probably peak Mike Trout. I, I, I take over anybody. Um, and and so I just don't know how you do it. And I think that's, that's why you can write this list and that's how you can come in like, Oh man, he's wrong until you kind of get to the end and you're like, well, of course he's wrong. Everybody's wrong. <laughs> Everybody's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Joseph. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks Joseph. Uh, so I, uh, <laughs> so I think going, going back to, you can put, I, I think you can put trout anywhere. And, and I think most people would, would be happy with that. I, I don't think you can put him ahead of probably the first handful, uh, but I think most people would would get the uh, insane peak. We don't have the rest of the we don't have the rest of the story. We can fill in the blank sort of thing. But to, to your mention uh, about Ken Griffey Jr. and putting him, you know, high up on any type of type of all time list after his peak, he was still absolutely nowhere near as good as Mike Trout has been so far in his career. I mean, I, looking looking at, I mean, we, we're comparing a player who 
probably averaged somewhere around seven war versus a player that averages close to 10 war. I mean, and That's he's, crazy. it's, it's, I don't, and I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just uh, guessing here, but I just feel like uh, I don't think you compare, compare the two, but I, you're not trying to compare the two. What I'm trying to say is this, this, this start is just so special that very easily, if he, if he decided to retire, uh, I think we have a conversation. Is he the greatest player of all time? Yeah, it's it's uh, now I, I will say that I used uh, some devices when I was writing this piece because ah, I performance actually, enhancing devices. I see. PEDs. Yes, a little a little PEDs. They're they're a little PERs, the performance enhancing rankings, um, because I actually uh, just just between us and the the four people that listen, um, I actually <laughs> have. Trial- <laughs> I'm not staying for four people, uh, Joe. I'm not staying for four people. There better be way more people than four, at least eight. <laughs> at least eight. At least we're going at least. Uh, you better, you better not count Mike. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> Mike's not going to listen to this. By the way, he totally lied when he said he was going to listen to this. Um, with uh, with with so with uh, Mike Trout, I actually had him higher on my rankings. Um, than 27. I, I don't remember exactly where it was, but it was a little bit higher. But of, of course, uh, when one of the, the things that I used for this ranking was I tried to connect people to uh, a number. I know. I saw that. That was really, really charming. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, my trust 27. That's his number. Yeah. So uh, so I wanted to, to give him I feel like he already has earned that. Like he's already earned the number, uh, which is which is amazing. But but you know from from a ball player Joe, Joe can I say something? Didn't he didn't he want to wear number two for Derek Jeter? Well, I think he did. That's right. Yeah, so you should have put him number two if you're really going to extend the courtesy <laughs> to him. I mean, <laughs> tuck him right Fuck Ted Williams and Stan Musial. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Bob, babe. <laughs> sorry, babe. But, but babe could then have three. It would be perfect. Why three? There oh, were- that'd be perfect, Trent. Yeah, that's why you're yeah. here. <laughs> That was a consideration, putting Babe 3. But putting Babe 3 would have meant putting Mantle 7 and and Williams 9 and and Musial 6. So I didn't want to quite uh, go to that extreme to to, to make it work in the top 20. So I stopped the the uniforms and various numbers thing at 20. I had uh, Frank Robinson and Mike Schmidt both wore 20. I had them tied. At twenty, oh, I I skipped nineteen. Sense. I missed that now. Yeah, yes. I skipped nineteen for the nineteen nineteen uh, Black Sox, and then and then went on from eighteen down. So, um, but but I, Joe for, for for Trout, I, I will. Can I throw in one of, of the personal favorite quotes I've seen? Is was I, I remember this day? It was near the end of the season in uh, two thousand sixteen. And it, the quote is, personally, until Trout came into the league, I thought every year that I would be in the conversation for best player in the game, and he effed that up for everybody. <laughs> Babe Ruth and Ted Williams included, included. He's ruining it for everyone. That guy says Mike Trout should be number one. Yeah. well, I don't, I, 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 I don't know if he should be number one, but he certainly – I just don't think – at some point, how much more evidence do you need? I mean, it's, it, you know, I just, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. What is it? Five straight years uh, has led the league in OPS plus averaging close to 10 war a season. I mean, he keeps, he's getting better too. He keeps, I mean, he may not be doing the stolen base. 
you know, high batting average sort of thing. But then are we going to see a stretch where he walks 150 times and hits 45 home runs a year? You know, I mean, is that really so bad? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> guessing here, but I, I mean, he hit 45 home runs last year in 135, four games. At what point do teams start walking him at a, at a crazy amount? I mean, yeah. I suppose yeah. Rendon may make a bit of a difference with that, but 14 intentional walks last year, I, I just, I it, it's almost it almost doesn't make any sense to me um, at some point. But uh, you know they were a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a, a last place team last year. So that that can be, that can be a little bit challenging. To I think they're second last actually. To well, sure. But as a but as a, as a as a player as a terrific hitter yourself as 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 somebody who has won an MVP and is at the top of the game, you know, how do you look? Like, and it, does a guy like Mike Trout, because I mean, there are a lot of great players in this game, right? I mean, there's Mookie Betts and there's, uh, you know, Christian Yelich and Rendon. I mean, I can go through Juan Soto. There are a million, uh, you know, there are dozens of of truly, truly great players who will, you know, someday, you know, either be in the Hall of Fame or be in consideration for the Hall of Fame. Um, and yet he seems to be like better than any of them. Like as a ball player, do you do you find yourself amazed by this guy? Uh, so I, I, I try, I try really hard not to, I think my, my, my pride gets in the way of that. I, I truly, yeah. The answer is yes, of course. Um, you know, I, we're both Nike athletes and, and, uh, I refuse to wear his, his shoes out of spite. You know, it's like if I was playing against Michael Jordan out of spite, I wouldn't have worn his shoes. Just a pure pride thing. Not spite. Spite's the incorrect word. Pride. It would be my right. sort of island sure. I'm trying to live on but you know um awe awe is is a great word i mean he's um he's doing some things that uh you know he he he, they came into town last year and um um you know he looked we played in anaheim he looked kind of okay and then he came to cincinnati and and he just put on a show you watch him enough and you get to see the very very best hitter you know he's a center fielder that runs fantastic runs the bases great and clearly plays a a good center field but you get to see clearly the best hitter in baseball and um you know he's he's he truly is awe-inspiring i i i don't know what else to say i got to uh see him when he was really really young they came into town and this was the albert pools josh hamilton mike trout anaheim angels and i just remember thinking you know they a lot of the attention was paid to albert and josh and he hit this ground ball, I think, in the infield. And I remember him running past. And it was an infield single. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, I didn't know he could run this well. Holy cow. Like, it sounded like a it sounded like a locomotive. I mean, he was such a big man running so quickly. And then he came up to bat and hit a, just a really nice, clean double to right center field. And it one-hopped the wall. And it really came off his bat hard. And I thought, huh. So this kid's supposed to be like the the future of the game, and he's only gotten better since then. And I I still think he's got a chance to continue to improve. I, I think we see kind of a, a a version of Barry Bonds with him. To be honest with you, that's what it feels like. It feels like he just he he also is one of those players. I mean, I remember Pujols was like this too, where it's almost like every off season he chooses 
like uh, a thing to get better at. Yeah. Like I remember Pools like saying, like, like I'm gonna, you know what, I'm I'm gonna be a base stealer next year. And then he stole like 18 bases or something. And then he's like, I'm gonna become the best first baseman defensively and you know, whatever. And he and he did that. Do you do you, by the way, do you do that? Do you like go into the offseason like going, I want to improve one part of my game significantly? Yeah, I, I've definitely done that before. And and I think that's a sign of of baseball, you know, I've heard it numerous times in the past about changes to the game and can players adapt to them. And frankly, baseball is not about, you know, they say styles make fights. Um, and in baseball, the, 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 the great players can adapt to any sort of demand. And, and, and Mike has been, you know, I've definitely done it before. Uh, you know, I've, I had some years where defense was an issue and there are times where I felt like I wanted to get on base more or I want to, hit for more power. And so I attempted those things and typically I succeeded. But um, I do think that, you know, the, the game is his canvas. And I think that the game is a lot of players' canvases. I mean, I we're talking about Mike and I know we'll stick to the subject, but there's there's a lot of players, probably somewhere in the 10, you know, I would say about 10, 10 players, maybe, maybe five players that can more or less pick and choose what they want to do. And I, I think that yeah. there's, those are the superstars of our game. And no matter the change to the game, they're going to be able to do more or less whatever they want to do. And Mike's the very best of that. I think that there are probably he wouldn't tell anybody. There's probably a year where, maybe even last year, you know, he only played 134 games and got 600 plate appearances, but he hit 45 home runs. And I, I, I think if you asked him, he, you may have you may have gotten the answer that he probably was trying, you know, truthfully try to hit 50 or 60 home runs. Yeah, that's it's it's crazy. It's a fun thing to do, by the way, trying to do things, (laughs) trying to do things. Yeah, I I, I got a I have a funny story. So I um, Zach Kozar was a former teammate of mine. And back in 14, 15, 16, I don't remember what year it was. I said, you know what? I'm going to try and hit 50 home runs this year. And he said, Joe, I believe you can do it. If there's anybody I can believe that I believe can do it. It's you. And so I get up to bat. This was in Washington. And I think it was early in the year. And I hit a ball. I told him, I said, I'm going to try and hit 50. Next at bat, I, I hit a ball real good to left center field. And the outfielder runs up against the wall and snags it off the very top of the wall oh. for an out. And I go back in and I said, I don't think I'm going to hit 50 home runs this year. <laughs> <laughs> that's that is uh that is a really classic very all right here's what here's what we're gonna do uh i'm gonna run through the top 10 real quick and each of you guys can uh, sort of make comments uh on on these guys because to me i i think i started at 14 with garrig i think no maybe 15 with josh gibson i said basically every player after that you could make an argument for them as number one. You could mm. make an argument for them as the best player in the game. And probably some people above 15. I mean, you could make the argument for Hornsby because of the way he hit. You can make the argument for, for, you know, like Schmidt or Joe Morgan for, for the, for their all around game. But, but basically I did it from 15. So certainly everybody in the top 10, I think uh, you could make that, that argument. So here's where I'm going to start. We'll start with Satchel page. Um, Trent, you, you've you've done a little Negro Leagues research. How much about Satchel uh, did you really know? You know, I knew most most of it is. It all seems like I don't know, like 
is it is it fairy tale knowledge? Would that be fair? Um, you know, like the legendary stuff. You just know uh, it. Yeah. It's you just, just you know, know you know, yeah. you know the um all the sayings, all the colorfulness. But like when you get down to it, it's how good he really was. And again, this is all just I mean, it's almost all anecdotal evidence. Of course. For for so many of these things. Um, but the anecdotal evidence is so like overwhelming that even if he's not the best baseball player ever, he's got to be the most entertaining baseball player ever. Right. Sure. Like sure. if you had one definitive story you wanted to tell or hear, it might be Satchel Paige. And I think it, it, it's, it would be, I mean, a huge challenge, but he is the most, probably the most interesting person in baseball history to me. Clemente is up there for me as well. Um, but, but just talking about like the hurdles, what he still achieved and you think of him, how old was he when he, when he came through and won rookie of the year, he's in his forties, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as far as we know, um, again, yeah. goes, it's, it's the legend, it's the legend of baseball. And that's what makes him so, I don't know, um, just intriguing. And, and just one of those guys that, if if I could see somebody that that's probably at the very highest of my level, if I could have the time machine. Totally agree. Totally agree. 41. They're saying 41. He probably was older than that. Uh, Joe, I wanted to ask you specifically something about Satchel Page because Page in his prime, and this would not be the major leagues. I mean, once he got to the majors, he was obviously much older, but in his prime, when he was, you know, so, you know, Joe DiMaggio called him the greatest he ever faced. And Ted Williams famously, uh, talked about him in his Hall of Fame speech. And so you know how good he was. But he essentially threw nothing but a fastball hmm. in those days. It was all fastball and all – he threw it super hard, but he also had utterly pinpoint control, right? He could throw it – you know, he used to practice by uh, by pitching over a, a, a stick of chewing gum. So with that in mind, could – as a hitter – if there was a hit a pitcher out there who could throw however hard he threw, but, but but certainly as hard as anybody of his day, and could put it wherever he wants, is that enough to get people out in today's game? Yeah, um, I think I think the answer is a pretty strong no. Um, okay, you know I I don't know I I think the best example. Okay, so I take that back. I take that back. So the answer is the answer is Araldis Chapman. That's the answer to the question. Um, uh-huh. I, I, I I was fortunate enough to have a front row seat to the greatest fastball I've ever seen, and the fastball was almost exclusively what he threw. He had at times good command, and at times uh, terrifying command. Um, but he also more or less, I I mean, I think he started the trend of, of the extreme strikeout, especially from a reliever, at least in the, in the most recent history. I, 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 I know that there's other examples, but just pure fastball. Um, you know, I, if I'm not mistaken, he, he was by and away, uh, by far the, the highest, um, strikeout rate per per uh per per nine innings i think it was something like 17 at the time and a lot of players have caught up to it yeah. 
since the change, but he was a good bit ahead of, of anybody in the history of the game, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, yeah, watching him. Seven, yeah. so, sorry. 17.7 strikeouts in 2014. Right, right, right. And uh, I don't know if there was precedent. And so at, at watching him pitch, he was almost exclusively fastball. So the answer is yes. The answer is absolutely yes, you can be successful. Can you do that over six, seven, eight, nine innings? I mean, Satchel threw complete games like it was, right. you know, like he was having breakfast with coffee. You know, it was like, it was as <laughs> automatic as as anything same, similar to Walter Johnson. I mean, I'm not going to uh, change subjects here, but uh, the same sort of story, always complete games, always always throwing his fastball. But the answer is probably yes. If you've got a guy, the, the only issue I'll say is, there. I haven't seen a fastball quite like Araldus Chapman's fastball, even though there's been a huge uptick in the fastball in, in the league. Probably the only example in baseball, and I have a nationally biased, the probably the only example is Josh Hader out of the Milwaukee Brewers that yeah. gets so much swing and miss just purely off of his fastball. But Chapman was better. I don't think it, I don't think you can compare the two. And then you can, if you gave Chapman otherworldly um, command, I, I think you can get away with it. I mean, I watched Bartolo Colon flip eighty six up there over and over and over, and somehow make it work with his exceptional command. It's true. It's true. By the way, for both of you guys, because I remember seeing it too when he first came up. Did you when Chapman first showed up? And it was right around the same time as Strasburg. So, like, there were both of those guys were like these these different kinds of phenoms. But I remember watching Chapman and going, "How does he throw it so easy and have the ball come out so fast?" That was the thing that blew my mind was how how nonviolent that motion was, and yet the ball was like insane. And and I just I I don't think I've ever seen anything even close to resembling that. Yeah, he's a he's a uh, he's a physical specimen. I mean, I, I I've only seen two athletes that stand out quite like him. It's Yasiel Puig and and Aldis Chapman in terms of just just purely being more physical than almost anybody. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the answer is Crazy. the answer is yes. I mean, I think Satchel could have probably pitched today at his prime. Um, there's no doubt about that. But I think that he would have been high and successful, is what I'm saying. Sure. All right. Number nine on my list, and I know that, uh, Joseph, you have some thoughts on this. Number nine on my list is Stan Musial. Do you have some thoughts on Stan? I, I, I really didn't have much to say about him. I, I, I thought that Lou Gehrig was probably more worthy in the top ten, but, I mean, Stan's an all-time great. I, I've got nothing to say about Stan Musial being ninth overall. Okay, good. No, yeah. Good, good, good. Musial was, a... was, you know. He's unbelievable. Go ahead, I have a story coming out um, tomorrow or th- Tuesday, whatever, about uh, I think the headline, the, my suggested headline was Stan Musial made my mom pancakes and other baseball stories, <laughs> oh, family wow. baseball stories. So my mom once, and basically I interviewed my mom and dad about their baseball stories, but my mom knew her, her next door neighbor, um, Stan Musial's daughter owned a horse at their farm. And so she had stayed at his house one night when she was like 16 with her friend. And, um, and so like just how nice Stan Musial was and she had no idea who he was. So nicest man, just impossible to be nicer than, than Stan Musial. Just uh, uh, Joseph, did you ever get to meet him? Did you ever get to meet Stan? 
I don't think so. I've got, I've, I've met quite a, I, I, I've met a few on the top 10 that we'll get to, but I've never met Stan Musial. Yeah. What a incredibly nice man. And all time leader in doubles and triples combined, which I always thought was like, that's a guy that like when he hit the ball, he got out of the box. I, I just respect the way, the way he played the game in so many ways. All right. Now, one of the things that I did, and and this is clear throughout the hundred, is I definitely, um, I definitely graded players in more recent eras better. I just I think baseball has gotten better. I think the quality of the game has gotten better. Um, so I don't. This is not to to knock Cobb at all. I mean, he he did what he could do in his time, and so could number seven. So you know, number seven, I have Walter Johnson. I have him rated as the the greatest pitcher ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, I mean, that's that's a for me that's a that's a tough argument because he's you know of the time that he played, it was a completely different game with a with a dead ball and and uh, you know no African Americans and no no black players at all playing in the game. It's just a very, very different game. So uh, I thought Johnson's uh, dominance was so great that I put him, um, I put him at uh, as the number one pitcher at number seven, but, uh, but I mean, I think I, you certainly could have made the argument that Clemens yeah, uh, yeah. would have been, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I just think uh, that you could make the argument for, for Randy Johnson, yeah. you can make the argument for Pedro. You can make the argument for a lot of different Maddox. I mean, these are these are guys who just faced a very very different game, right, Trent? Yeah, I mean, you look at what you know. Pedro's what is it? Two thousand one season. That's just ungodly. Two thousand ninety nine. Two thousand ninety nine. I mean, they're just like unbelievable when you look at the again. Context is everything, like Joe said. The context of what the game was going through right then, and then do what Pedro did, just silly. And also in that ballpark, in his home ballpark. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just it, it, when you talk peak, peak Pedro, I, you know, it's tough to take anybody over peak Pedro. Yeah. Yeah. I would probably take peak Pedro over probably anybody. I mean, obviously this is over a whole career. <clears throat> Walter Johnson, by the way, poses exactly the same question as, 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 uh, as Satchel Paige, right? I mean, he, he came right. in with what at the time was was absolutely the oldest Chapman fastball. Now I don't know how fast it went. Uh, I do I do try to dive in a little bit in that in the piece, um, but I don't know how fast it went. But to it doesn't matter to the to the by comparison to everybody else, it was you know ten percent faster or whatever than any other pitch, and and he had you know amazing control and all of that. And, you know, so that that's why he dominated the game in a way that, uh, you know, but but I thought it was really interesting what you said, Joe, that he that it was uh, he could do that again. If, 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 you know, taken taken into context, if you take your oldest Chapman fastball and you take somebody throwing with that kind of command, that person could still be a pretty dominant pitcher today. Yeah, I, I I think so. You know, just being in the top 10, like you said, is being in the conversation for best ever. And uh, Stan Musial, Satchel Paige, Mickey Mantle, they're all right there. We've mentioned Mike Trout. But, you know, I'm looking at these these all-time greats, and they're all in the same conversation with probably two or three of them standing out as the extra specials. It's it's so – that was one thing that I really uh, – I wouldn't say it annoyed me. 
because it's, you know, that I love that people read this and, uh, and are reading this and have really, really strong opinions, but like, I would put like, uh, like I had Ricky Henderson, I think at 24. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which obviously is perfect. Cause that's his number. So I had him at 24 and people were like freaking out that I had him so low. And, and I was like, 24th best player of all time is pretty good. I mean, like, like everybody in the top hundred is an amazing baseball player. I mean, if you're in the top 200, you're in the top, you know, if you're in the top 300, you're in the hall of fame. I mean, so, so, you know, I, I, I do think that sometimes people like, like lose their minds over very, very small uh, differences because, because all of these players are amazing. And, and that was really important to me, by the way, you mentioned that about the, the Cobb piece. One thing that I did not want to do in any of the stories was spend a lot of time or any time if I could on the ranking, because mm-hmm. you start talking about the ranking and basically you have to start saying negative things yeah. about, yeah. about players. I mean, there's no way to, you know, somebody yells at you why Tony Gwynn is number 95 and you have to start saying, well, you know, you didn't hit with power. You know, you just have to start saying things that are not relevant to me, to the story yeah. of Tony Gwynn and the story of this ranking. So so that was, you know, really important to me that that each of these stories is, you know, in my best way, a celebration of the game and a celebration of these players. Yeah. All right. So, uh I'm going to go right. So we, we talked a little bit about Walter Johnson. Uh, number six is Ted Williams. And, you know, I, I got to tell you, one of the first things uh, that I ever heard about you, uh, Joe, was, was uh, uh, I believe it was Hal who had told me that, that he was at your locker maybe. And he saw Ted Williams, you know, uh, book on hitting in the locker. And it was like completely, um, you know, it was dog-eared and, and, and whatever. And, and he started talking to you about Ted Williams and that was like a really, you know, just, just, you lit up and loved talking about it. This guy really matters to you, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like I said before, I, I, I got to know lots of different, uh, lots of different baseball players and, and lot, a lot of them stood out to me. I think he mattered to me most because, he inspired hope. Uh, we were both, you know, not very muscular and probably middle of the road in terms of athleticism and um, left-handed hitters, right-handed throwers. And so, like, we had some things in common, non-premium position types, non-base stealers, and efficiency is, I think, a part of my personality. Uh, if I'm going to try to do something well, I want to do it efficiently. And I think he screamed that. And, um, and yeah. so just from, you know, I felt like he was uh, a kindred spirit in a way. I, I felt like he gave me hope to be myself and be my best self, but do it in a way that uh, didn't really follow the demands imposed on me by others. I mean, I, I when you're a minor league player, 18, uh, 20, everyone's telling you what to do, what to change, who to be. Uh, they're telling you that when you're in high school, they're telling you that in college, they're even telling you that nowadays, good Lord at the major league level. <laughs> and, um, 
ultimately, um, uh, he, he gave me that, he gave me that, nope, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to be my best self. And this is how I'm going to, this is the type of player I'm going to emulate. Cause this feeds into my style. And so I, I devour books on him. You know, I'm, I'm probably more, I don't want to say I'm introverted per se, but I like keeping to myself. I like taking care of the task and, and just kind of going home and doing that. And I'm probably not as, I guess the word would be bombastic or, or loud, or uh, I'm probably not in that sort of, I'm not like that personality wise, but almost everything else related to work, I could, I felt like I could relate to him. Now, never have I even come close to performing at his level. But with that being said, you know, it's always fun, you know, never going to catch the rabbit, but it's fun chase, right? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I look, I, I mean, the things, the thing that struck me, that strikes me about Ted Williams, I mean, among the many, many things that was so great about him as a player was he was such a perfectionist, not, not, I mean, look, most great athletes are in their own ways, perfectionists, I think, but the way that he didn't swing at bad pitches and, and never let that be, uh, you know, changed and, and, and certainly got pressure through his career. People were saying, you know, your, you know, you, your job is to drive in runs. Your job is, you know, men on base, you've got to swing, you've got to, you're hurting the club. And, and, but he just played the game the way he knew exactly the, the like the, I mean, and, and walked 140 times a year, whatever it was. And, 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 you know, was just, it was just extraordinary. And I, I mean, that's, Trent, when you watch when you watch Joe play, that's you see that, right? Well, I, I, there's so many parallels, and I know Joe would would bristle at that, but I mean, there's just so <laughs> much. It, it it is amazing, and it's like it is those people who say, "No, this is what is going to be best for me. This is the way I can be best." And it's funny, I, I had a, a real good friend, and we we had a um, ongoing argument forever. And he was just like, well, you know, it's just so arrogant that he thinks, talking about Joey Votto, <laughs> that, he, that he thinks he knows hitting and like all this. And this guy's a huge Red Sox fan and idolizes Ted Williams. And it's just like, you've always heard that. And I was just like, wait, wait, you're talking about the guy who is the best at what he does. And you think it's arrogant that he thinks his way is right when he's the best at what he does. No, questioning that is arrogance. Um and, and it, there's just something like there's an ongoing thing and I don't want to get into this because I know Joe certainly doesn't want to get into it, but this misunderstanding about what is best and what is one person's best. And it's sometimes it's just knowing what you can do and what you can control and you make yourself the best version of you, not the best version of what somebody else wants to see. Now, Ted Williams is just, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I think we go into this all the time and there's this, there's always the fight about what's, who's overrated and underrated. And it's, it's just a totally silly thing. And you look at these numbers and they just don't make any sense. I have the baseball reference page for Ted Williams up Sure. and, and, and him at 38 in 1957, getting on base at a 526 clip. It's crazy. It's crazy. More than half the time he doesn't make it an out. He had a 12, 12.57 OPS that year at 38. Yeah, they were probably, they were platooning them, guys. They were platooning them. <laughs> he was facing thumb and righties and coming in in the fourth <laughs> inning and then ducking out from the seventh on. You know, guys? <laughs> His age, 24, 25, 26 year seasons. 
he wasn't incredible. There. He didn't get to play the incredible. Those yeah, that's incredible. That's he fun. hit 33-34. I mean, I mean, just all these career totals are unbelievable to begin with. And you talk about 1943 to 1945 not playing. Taking that chunk of a player's career away from them. Yeah. I, I I mean again it's like it's like Joe said earlier it's like you just look at everybody you know when he's going on Ty Cobb and you're like you look at everybody and you go oh yeah they have they're a number one I mean like I, I it's it's funny it's like and, and and I don't say this to to blow smoke up here um, Joe, whoa 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 Joe not Joe we <laughs> Joe pause like I always talk about the MVP ballot and like I'm always like when I do that and I write down ten. And it's like that eight, nine down ballot voting. And that's nothing like the top 100 of all time, but in a season like that down ballot voting, I spend as much time. Mm. It's so tough. And like, sure. And it's like, how do you differentiate between eight and nine? Much less like the year, the year of, was that 2017 when, when John Carlos Stanton that we talked about, like one was an impossible, you know, to, to figure out that year. I mean, even 2010, you, oh, yeah. you, you could flip a no coin doubt. on NL MVP in 2010. No doubt, but very, very, very easily could have won that uh, won that award that year. But you know um, what I like to look at with those kinds of decisions? And, and I did this a lot with the Baseball 100. Um, I like to look at it that there's no wrong decision. No. Rather right. than no right decision. You know, I mean, it's like, I remember it was the Verlander uh, Porcello, Cy Young year. Yeah. Uh, I had a vote that year. And, and I remember thinking, cause I, cause you could absolutely make an argument for either one of those guys. I mean, that was, you know, that was one where one had the higher fan graphs war. The other one had the higher baseball reference war. You had the, you had, you know, the one had the better FIP and one had the better, you know, strikeout to walk. And I mean, it was just like, it was ridiculous. It was, a, it was a tie. It was, it was, they right. both were incredible that year. And, and I, I did kind of go inside out because it's like, well, which, and then I thought, you know what? It It's you take the one and I'll take the other. It doesn't mm. matter. I mean, it matters. You do your best you can, but neither one of them is wrong. And, right. and that's sort of the way I looked at like this top six. I mean, I, it definitely takes a different level for me when you, when you start going from Ted Williams up, I mean, Ted Williams could have been six. He could have been three. You could argue. I think he's the greatest hitter ever. So you could put him at one if you wanted to. My thought was, you know, he, he, he was he was uninterested in defense for the most part in his career. Uh, he was he was not a particularly he wasn't a bad base runner, but it was certainly not the the, the strength of his game. Um, he was a, he was an incredible hitter uh, and an incredible slugger. And calling him the sixth best player of all time is not a bad thing. That's sort of how I looked at it. And you're right. Yeah. Well, I, I'm I, I'm fairly certain Justin Verlander's at home right now slamming you know doors and punching pillows because of your vote so you know <laughs> there's nothing like there's nothing like coming in second especially when they're really really close but um oh it's it's God. it's but you're you, to your point there is no wrong answer and you know what uh oftentimes oftentimes coming in second produces better results in the future. I mean, I, I, there, that may not be the truth, but in my experience, and I'm, I mean, Justin clearly showed it this past year, you know, good things can still come. And you know, what's funny, you, 
winning an award like that, and I'm going to get back to the list, but just from experience sake, winning an award doesn't only tells you so much. And and I have the luxury of already having one of those to be able to say that there's something about not having it that that I think a lot of players that just missed out can be frustrated. I, I do have the luxury of, like I said, having one to be able to say, you know what? I had a great year and that someone didn't yeah. give me a, I'm actually more proud of my 17 than I am of 10 simply because I just felt like I got the best out of myself. And when I came up short, I, I couldn't have been less in a good mood. I, I was so satisfied that I even came that close that I was honored so highly, but I was mostly satisfied with how I played and, and, and that I got the most out of myself. So again, I do have the luxury of, of being able to, to say, Oh, I had that experience. Oh, here's a new experience sort of thing. But um, yeah, no, uh, to get back to the list, I, um, I, I've, I've always, I've always felt uh, a certain way about Ted, the, the military service in the, in the middle, in my opinion, adds, adds to his legacy it adds to him as a man sure. um and he did it yeah. uh, all all signs pointed to uh him not like him going to do his very best from a from a um as a as a fighter pilot he, he's he he you know you you told the story in in, in the in the ted williams article um you know about his his plane crashing uh i mean these are these are and him nearly dying and 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 this is a man that was you know there's there's story he was dogfighting i mean he was risking his life life on a steady basis and you know uh, i i i think if he had put together you know attacked on another 110 home runs and another you know a 425 rbi i don't think that adds more to him as his legacy, yeah. him as a man. And I, I, I personally, I think that he's as well known and as beloved because of those years uh, in military. Oh, service. I don't think there's any yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any question. I mean, he's an American hero. I mean, uh, my, one of my favorite stories of all of the baseball 100 of, of every player was him coming, you know, he, he almost dies in, in the plane crash and, and, and he's in the plane and, uh, you yeah. know, after it's on fire and, and he lands it, he yeah. lands the plane and he can't stop it. The, there are no, you know, the landing gear is gone. He can't stop the plane. It's just sliding. And, and he doesn't know when it's going to stop. And he, and it comes all the way to the end of the runway and he comes out and even Ted Williams is shaking like a leaf. You know I mean? This is, this is the ultimate, you know, near death experience. And a guy walks up to him. And, and, and he like, like shows him a piece of paper and, and, he, and he signs it. And then he walk and a friend goes, what was that? And he goes, can you believe it? I almost died. And this son of a bitch it's wants incredible. my autograph. I just it's thought so it's like the ultimate. Oh, it's I love it. I love that. Really story. incredible. I, I, I want to say one thing about, uh, you know, you told a story about Ted coming back and, and to, I'm going to toot the loudest of horns of all the all baseball players, but you told a story about him coming back and hitting homers after being off for a year and a half and his hands bleeding. Oh. We all can hit, we all hit homers whenever we want. <laughs> so the greatest hitter all time of all time coming back after a few swings and starting to hit homers. 
we can do that whenever we want. So <laughs> you can do that whenever you want. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's, that's, that's you know what was crazy? I was looking at when Joe was talking about winning one. Ted Williams only won two MVPs. Yeah, and I was looking at that. 57 season though when he hit 388 that i was just taking a 38 year old he hit 388 with a 526 on base percentage he finished second in the mvp voting and he was second well, in the, 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 yeah. the writers then knew about platooning and they they knocked him for that i'm telling you when your manager <laughs> platoons you and makes a point to pinch run you and makes a point to defensive switch you and only has you facing the thumbiest of right handers hey you get a ding for that i'm sorry you finished second you know, it's uh, Mantle. Mantle won that year. In his career, he lost two MVPs when he won uh, Triple Crowns. Uh, he he lost an MVP to Mantle. They were all the Yankees. Like, all of his MVP losses yeah. were like, – he lost two to DiMaggio, one to Joe Gordon, one to Mickey Mantle. Um, and uh, and and he could have won. But I don't think the 57. Just like Joey Votto lost them all to Marlins. Yeah, just <laughs> – Yeah. Hey, I, got, I have a question. Who's who? Okay, so who was more famous, uh, DiMaggio or Ted Williams? Well, that's a good question. DiMaggio, of course, has, and it's they're famous more for what they did off the field, right? So DiMaggio has the the marriage to, to Marilyn Monroe, and DiMaggio has his place in the Paul Simon song, Mister mm. Robinson, Mrs. Robinson, not Monroe. So those things. Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? being married to Marilyn and winning that greatest living player award mm. and then using that for the rest of mm. his life pushes him. But I think in the long run, I think Ted Williams is more famous. I think, I just think that what he did in the war um, and, and the fact that he's been so, you know, he, he was such a bigger than life character. Like DiMaggio really wasn't a bigger than life, like, figure i mean he was a bigger than life player for sure but he was really you know he kept himself and you know the books that have come out about him don't don't paint him in the in the best of light and and uh so i think pure fame trent what do you think i think pure fame ted williams uh, dimaggio wow i mean huh? marilyn monroe <laughs> mr coffee uh, <laughs> kramer yelling ha! <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that Seinfeld when he's banging the although, table. Although, yes, like, oh, yeah. I will say, yes, I will say though, like um, that '99 All Star game in, at Fenway. I was there oh. at 23. Um, I was in the Ox Box in right field where Ted Williams came out, and it is still the most amazing moment. Um, and then showing that I had no feel. Um, I don't know why I was writing there for the Athens Banner Herald, but I did. But I wrote about well, like what Pedro did in the first first inning, um, and, and uh, like the no feel Yikes. on the uh, on, on what will be remembered forever. Everybody talks yeah. about that. I was there, and I I worried about Pedro, although it was pretty good. Yeah, that was still a bad call. I'm not going to lie to you. That's that's basically so like what we going- do at 23. Well, I know, but that's like going to the Bobby Thompson game and writing about like the guy at second or something, you know, and just like It'd be a good yeah, angle, you know, man. <laughs> he went two for five. Um, Everybody else went there. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Actually, Pedro was amazing that year in that he in was. that Ultra game. So yeah, I mean, there that's legit. But you you might have won. No, yeah, no, I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah. All right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run down the top five. I'm just going to I'm just going to name all five because yeah. because we can't be here all day. Uh, I'm going to just go through the top five and then and then if any thoughts you guys have at all. So here's how I put it. I put Oscar Charleston number five. We'll never know for sure, but 
the fact that he was widely regarded as the greatest Negro Leagues player, uh, the fact that he was a five-tool guy, um, that was my that was my reasoning. Number four is Henry Aaron, who is just one of my all-time heroes and and the most consistently great player uh, in baseball history. Number three, Barry Bonds. We know the story. Then, you know, got people a little uh, riled up when I put number two, Babe Ruth, number one, Willie Mays. I, I explain uh, somewhat my reasoning in those stories. Uh, you could swap them if you want. Please feel free if you're reading this at home to just use a pair of scissors and cut them out and switch them around. I don't care what you do. Uh, for me, Mays is all around play and the joy that uh, that he represented was number one. Uh, but you certainly can argue Ruth. So what are you guys' thoughts on the top five? Trent? No right, no wrong. Um, it's just, yeah, it, it's it's impossible to think of. Uh, what would you just, have done with Bonds? I I mean, I, I can't see him being any lower than five. Yeah. I mean, I, you, you talk about, like, we are just talking about um, Ted Williams. At 42 in 2007, Barry Bonds Ugh. had a 480 on base percentage. Yeah. At 42, that was the last year he played. He led the league in on in uh in intentional walks. Six yeah. from 2001 to 2004, 515, 582, 529, 609. <laughs> that 609 is ridiculous. That's what it's just stupid. Would, yeah, that's when you And then like walk, you know, watching him yeah. take batting practice at Great American Ballpark. It was the greatest, like every time they came those last couple of years, it was, it was like nothing I'd ever seen. And I've seen, you know, I watched Adam Dunn. I've watched all these guys <laughs> do this, but like, it was unbelievable. I mean, Joe can attest what it's like to see things put in that top row there. And it's, it's unreal. It was, incredible. it was batting practice was incredible. Yeah, uh, right. the, Joseph, uh, the, uh, the yeah. top five threw me for a bit of a loop. Um, well, first of okay. all, your your Henry Aaron story was fantastic. And, and I felt like I got better listening to it because it reminded me of the you, – you, you finally told the story of, of how great of an all-around, all-around player he is was. And yes. I, I, I don't think most people – uh, give him any sort of credit. He had the combination of, you know, the the Stan usual extra base hits and the Babe Ruth home runs, but then the te- the Pete Rose games played and hit and hits and and just constantly being out there. The steadiness of greatness, but the the steady greatness. But um, the thing that stood out to me was hearing uh, what Jackie Robinson told him about, hey, it's it, you know it's nice to get hits, but the game is about scoring runs. Concentrate on that, and yes. I loved that. You know, it's it's one of the fundamentals of our of our game uh, that's really kind of been highlighted over the past few years is base running, being a better teammate through base running, more efficient base running emphasizing that and, and uh he he screamed that through his actions and and just reading your article i felt like made me better and inspired me oftentimes just getting better is a byproduct of having goals and being inspired and, and i felt like you did that and um but the top three um you know it depends on and i'll i'll stick to i, I won't stick i'll go to barry after in a second but between babe and willie it, it, you said joy of the game it, it all depends on what kind of joy you want you know 
maybe Babe Ruth was the ultimate hedonist, and God bless him for that. And maybe Willie Mays was the all-time, you know, played with a smile, but, uh, you know, he was uh, he was the lighter of the two, but, you know, Babe was, uh, you know, probably the X-rated version to his PG, but I can't take that away from him. But, you know, I um, so um, I prefer Babe. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Because I, uh, I, I think Willie Mays is very easily the greatest player of all time, but um, I got to meet him one time. And so I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek. Um, I'm saying this with a smile. Yeah. yeah. But I was, in, I was in Dusty Baker's office in 2008. I was a rookie. And um, so I, I – I, get kind of tapped on the shoulder. Dusty wants to see you go into his office. And all of a sudden Willie Mays is there and, and Willie's, you know, I think 80 something at the time, maybe high seventies. I don't, I don't really know for sure. But, um, Dusty says, and Dusty knows everybody. Lord have mercy. Does he know everybody? I mean, uh-huh. like, uh, yeah. you know, you could show up one day and Mick Jagger sitting on the couch, you know, <laughs> eating local cuisine. But, um, yeah, I, so I, um, I walk in and he goes, Joey, I want to, I want you to meet Willie Mays. And I'm like, yeah, I know who this man is, of course. <laughs> and Willie wasn't, you know, I don't, I wasn't looking through his eyes, but I don't think he was seeing very well. And, uh, and so I say, hi, Willie. Nice to meet you. I put my hand out and Dusty Baker says, he says, uh, yeah, this guy's going to win a batting title. And, I had big plans, you know, I had like lofty goals in my head and, you know, I, I felt in my head, I was, I scoffed at that. I was like, I'm going to do a lot better than that. But, it, you know, I didn't say a word. I smiled and put my hand out and I shook his hand. And I don't know if the average person knows this, but one thing that stands out about a lot of the all-time greats is the size of their hands. And you shake Alex Rodriguez's hands it's like it's 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 like putting your hand in i mean it's it's like putting your hand in a vice it's so big so strong i shook (laughs) willie's hands and it felt identical like a bigger like meteor strong like big muscly hands and he's frail older can't see i think he may have been in a wheelchair or maybe just sitting down and uh he goes as i'm shaking his hand and I've got large hands. Like I'm a, I'm six foot two and a half, six three, six two, whatever I am, two hundred and twenty five pounds. You shake my hand, you know, I'm a, I'm a larger man. And he shakes my hand. He goes, <laughs> I laugh thinking about it. He goes, What's this piddly little thing? <laughs> As he's shaking my hand, and I'm like, completely, you know, completely uh, belittled. You know, I feel small at the time. He goes, what's this piddly little thing? And Dusty goes, no, no, Willie, he's going to be a good hitter. And he goes, I don't know how good of a hitter he's going to be with them little hands. (laughs) And I remember thinking to myself, oh, I'm going to stick it to you. But you can't. How can you? Sometimes you lose in life. You know, sometimes you lose in life. And and frankly, that was one of those moments where – 
I had to go look up his numbers and think to myself, I'm going to take you and then look up his numbers. And obviously, I'm never going to come close to <laughs> Willie Mays, of course, of course. But no, that was my Willie Mays story. And that's exactly why Babe Ruth is the best player of all time. So, Oh, I love that story. I love that story so much. Oh, my gosh. Look at these oh, little piddly hands. I cannot believe. Oh, man. Yeah. That is it's so very, funny. It's very but funny. But you are – you are so right. I mean, you know, and obviously nobody's shaking hands now, but yeah. through the years I've shaken hands with some of the greatest athletes, you know. I remember mm. shaking hands with Wilt Chamberlain. Oof. And oh my gosh, I mean, it's you just don't know yeah. until you've seen it like up in front of you. Like how and and you know, when you talk about like firm handshakes like some of those pitchers from the 60s that you know like Juan Marichal, you just shake his hand and you're just like Ow, I cannot believe how strong these people yeah. are. It's so funny. But I love that you like went and looked up Willie Mays' numbers and you were like, look, I'm going to prove myself my own way. I don't need to go. I don't need to compare myself to Willie Mays. Oh, you know? well, I mean, he, that, yeah, those, he didn't, those numbers seem out Yeah, he didn't, he didn't deflate me completely. But at the time, it was yeah, – everyone has those humbling moments. Everybody has those, you know – uh, moments where it's like, you know, you're embarrassed or whatever, but you know, frankly, I got to forever say that I met Willie Mays and, and, it's and great. it's an amazing, it's amazing thing. You know, he's, he's, no, he's not many people getting to watch him on a consistent basis, say anything, but pure joyous, you know, it's the best, some of the best memories of their lives getting to say, getting to watch Willie Mays. Of course, there's nothing cooler. I when I was a young uh, writer, so the you know I don't know if if you know this, Trent certainly does. Uh, you know maybe the all time great in in sports writing uh, was Jim Murray. Jim Murray was the columnist for the LA Times for many many years. Uh, incredibly funny, won a Pulitzer, just one of the just you know the the legend and a hero of mine in 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 the same way that uh, you know that Willie Mays is. I mean just wrote a lot about Willie Mays, by the way, and, 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 uh, and all the other, you know, people out in the West coast. So I got to meet, uh, Jim Murray when I was, uh, just, I was 20, I was probably the same age that you were when you met Willie Mays and I got to meet him and I was so taken and so overwhelmed. I just started babbling <laughs> to him. I, I didn't, it was totally, I didn't mean to, but I just started like, oh my gosh, I just, you know, you're, you're just my hero. And I just would love to, to, you know, I just would, I just love reading you. And I just want some days to be able to write a little bit like you. I mean, I just went on and, and he just sat there Well, I stood there and, and he had these big, huge Coke bottle glasses and, and, uh, but he just stood there and he looked at me and he listened and kind of smiled. And I just kept going on. And you know, that moment where, where like you were like, I'm talking way too much. I need to stop like now, but I can't stop. I'm still just rambling. And I just, I keep going on and on and on. I just, what an honor it is to meet you. And finally I stop and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he said, next time use fewer words. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I remember at the time, like feeling, I think probably the way you did with Willie Mays, which was, a little bit deflated, but also a little bit like, this is the greatest. This is like, I'm going to be able to tell this story forever. And and uh, I love that story so much. Just so much. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it, it, Willie wasn't by any means my my hero. It was just a great, no. a, a cool no. person to meet. And uh, 
and forever I get to say that I, I, I met him, but uh, he didn't let me use any words. I didn't get to have <laughs> He did all the talking. Yeah. He, he felt you your know, hand spoke for you is what it sounded yeah, like. Yeah, I let my hands, I let my hands, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You've, you've done all right with those hands. I'm just going to just tell you that. You've done okay for yourself, I'm doing, I think. Yeah, I'm doing No fine. batting title. No padding title. Dusty was wrong with that one. No, no but, doubt about by that. By the way, would, would you trade any of your seven on base titles for a one batting title? Ooh. Mm, no. A batting title is not as good as an on base title. It's not as good. No, 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 no. There's, right. there's. You, you don't get anything for that. You know, for yeah. leading the league in on base percentage, you just. You should. You're tired at the end of every game because you're on base a lot. And you're tired at the end of the year, but you don't uh, you don't get anything. They give out awards for they give out awards for uh, batting titles, if I'm not mistaken. I think Louisville Center yes. does that. You know, one yes. of the things that we didn't we didn't mention that that I think is common amongst all the all time greats, Hank Aaron, Willie. You know how 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 healthy they st- they they were and how how often they played. I mean. Uh, Willie played virtually every day uh, from when he came back from the 1953, if I'm not mistaken, I think he went to the Korean War. Um, yeah. And he played nearly every single day uh, until he was almost, until he was deep into his 30s. And, and playing center field, playing with such, uh, I'm sure, aggressiveness out there, um, you know, Hank Aaron's an, obviously another example, aggressive base runner, aggressive outfielder. Um, I mean, I, these, the, the common thread for me amongst the all-time greats, I think, is, is games played. And, you know, we, we really didn't, we didn't touch on Cal Ripken Jr., but uh, for me, he is very, very, very easily one of my favorite players of all time, simply because that high-end achievement of playing as often as he did. And for me, had you put him in the, you know, top 20 or so, excuse me, closer to the top 10, I, I, I wouldn't have batted an eye for sure. Yeah, and he, and he could have been. He could have been. I, I, I uh, don't actually remember where I put him. I think I put him in, in the 40s. But, but I mean, he was he was absolutely incredible. And what a good point. And 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 probably the best point for us to end on because one thing that is so underappreciated about really the all time greats is uh, you have to be present in order to to be a great player. I mean, this is this is so. I mean, there are so many terrific players who got eight or nine, like one of my all-time favorite people and one of my all-time favorite players is Dale Murphy. And and I I love Dale, love him. Um, but he was done at 32. I mean, he was, mm. he was basically done at 32. He played, and, and for all the reasons that you said, he was a big guy, played center field, certainly early, you know, first few years of his career, was a catcher when he first came up, uh, took a beating, played hard, played literally every game, like 162 a year. Um, and he wore out and which is, I think the human thing. That's what, that's what makes like so many of these players superhuman is being able to, to play that hard, that long and, and just to keep going for, for season after season after season. I mean, it's, it really is incredible. Really is incredible. All right, Trent, you have any final thoughts? No, thanks for letting me tag along. Um, (laughs) I, uh, I will tell you, um, kind of piggybacking on some of the things you were talking about the Jim Murray 
I have one sports writer autograph and that uh, my cousin got for me once because she knew my favorite writer was Joe Posnanski and she saw you somewhere in Kansas City. Oh, and wow. So I have that. Um, well, please, tre- please, please treasure that. I wouldn't do that now. So, if yeah, it makes so- you feel better, I don't know where it is. But I do know I have it somewhere. <laughs> you know what makes me feel bad is that you have it. That's what makes me feel bad. My, my cousin Missy Moser sent it to me. She, oh, uh, well, that's sweet. No, she no, that's seen you somewhere, and this was you know long you know, ago. I, I have signed many, many cool. autographs because of oh. books. Well, because of books, right? Every time they, <laughs> I'm not. I, I, you know, people have to sign the book. I've not signed that many, but I will say the, the one, the one moment that I look back with such horror was I was a young writer and a little kid came up to me and we were at a ball game and a little kid came up to me and wanted me to sign an autograph. And I really truly believed in my heart that this kid uh, was making a mistake, that he was mistaking me for somebody else. And, and I kind of said that it was, he was pretty young. It was like, you know, seven or eight. And I said, Oh no, you, you don't want my autograph. And he started to cry, like literally in front of me. And I'm like, oh, no, I'll sign every, I'll sign everything. I mean, I, you know, I just was, I freaked out. Take and my like signed. Yeah, no, literally just, yeah. Not, I mean, you, you, you want my computer? Take my computer. I, I would have given him anything. Um, so, uh, so anyway, that's my autograph story. Uh, <laughs> Joe, do you want to end with a good autograph story? Do you have a good one, like off the top of your head? Uh, good autograph story. Well, by the way, Trent, you're lucky that uh, Joe didn't uh, comment on your piddly little fingers or something like that. You made a <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. You tight with these piddly little one. fingers? Yeah. Um, uh, no, I, I don't think so. You know, I, I, I don't. Okay. Yeah. Actually, you know what? So um, when I was a boy, my favorite player, I thought I was going to be a pitcher. My favorite player was Nolan Ryan. And. Yeah. Uh, I think my father and I wrote him a note and signed something back. And I remember thinking, holy cow, like that. I just connected with Nolan Ryan. He's in a completely wow. different part of the world. And, you know, nowadays, I think that uh, with I'm trying to figure out I'm trying to figure out how to navigate that, because I, I, I find that like I, I sometimes you'll get messages from handwritten messages from people that are uh, collecting for the right reasons. Some are collecting for the wrong reasons. Then you have to kind of sift through that. Um, And, and I never want to miss the opportunity to, and I'm not kid biased, by the way, you know, young person bias. I I want, I want to satisfy (laughs) adults also. Like I want to make sure that, that the adults that are excited to come to a game that support the res, that support me major league baseball uh i I, you know i I want i want them to have that moment so but you know it's 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 usually something i try to do around the stadium but as far as like a an autograph that nolan ryan's the one that stands out and i think that it made things a lot more real and i think anytime i think anytime you can get an autograph from somebody that inspires you or someone that that you aspire to be similar to what trent is saying you know here you are sharing a podcast with him so that's pretty cool no that's uh it's cool for me let's i'm just gonna just say it's cool for me well guys uh cannot thank you enough this has been awesome and uh 
hopefully we'll do this again. We can do this again. Look, I don't know where we're going to be for the next few months. So, uh, so, but, but honestly, seriously, thank you both for, for joining. Yeah. Thank you, Joe and Joe. Joe, Trent, thank you. Great work with the writing. That was really fantastic stuff and very entertaining.